0: Hello, everyone and help well that is not a good start
1: it's an excellent start it's good you're just getting it out of the way thank you Yep. thank you
0: yeah you're right you're right that was my one mix up the entire podcast <laughs> And welcome to episode one twenty two of Left of Skeptic. My name is Brittany Lind, and I am Kayla Moria, and we are a paranormal podcast. Yes, we are.
1: Kayla, Brittany, we have a special guest. We do. You do it. You introduce. You do it. Me? Yeah, you. I did it oh, last I, time. Oh, it's your I thought turn. she was
0: just going to start talking. No, <laughs> I was
1: like I'm going to let you do the honors. <laughs>
0: We have with us today again the wonderful, lovely Kara of Prophecy Girls. Hello.
2: Hi. I'm Canadian, so I'm too polite to start talking without <laughs> being
0: invited. Oh, <laughs> I see, I see, I see. Uh Kayla, I was actually just telling Kara that I did the little map and I am closer to Thunder Bay than I am to Winona, where my brother goes to college.
1: That's what I'm saying. It's it's a day trip. It's a day trip. It's a day trip. We have zero excuses.
0: We'll all get except new passports. for our lack of passports. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we we'll all get ex- new passports, and we'll just drive back and forth between Thunder Bay and Duluth, over and over. And make over it regular
1: end. trips. What are you doing? Uh yeah. oh, just gonna go get coffee with Kara.
2: <laughs> well, I I don't remember if I've mentioned this to you previously in our conversations, but you know there, there's a um. A convenience store called Rydens that's right at the border, and so people in Thunder Bay and and this part of Northwestern Ontario will order products shipped to Rydens, and then just travel just across the border. It's literally like five minutes across the border to pick up their packages and then bring back to
0: Canada. (laughs) Well, because then you don't have to pay customs.
2: Well, you might still have to pay duties, but th- some, it's, okay. it's like things that aren't, aren't going to ship to Canada or would be really expensive to ship to Canada.
0: Yeah, yeah. I follow a Canadian YouTuber, Mia Maples. I've been watching a lot of her videos, and she's constantly complaining about the fact that y'all don't have a Target.
2: Um, so we used to. We had Target for a few years, and, and then, then they, they went under because, and I read an article about this, um, the product management like the inventory management system that they implemented was so bad that they never had enough like products that people actually wanted in their stores so like when you went into target here like shelves would be like partially bare and empty and picked over and and you couldn't really find what you wanted and it just turned out because the algorithms and the programs they were using to predict like what merchandise should we ship to each store didn't work properly. (laughs)
0: How is that different than what they do in the US though?
2: Well, they were using like a different system, right? Because it's like, you know, like target Canada. So <laughs> oh,
1: So their targets
2: looked like our Kmart used to.
0: Oh, that's sad. So it closed Kmart's like so our sad. Kmart did.
1: There you go. <laughs> so sad. Blue light special. So Kayla, how are you? I am I'm great. I was just saying I did a bunch of cleaning. I feel accomplished. I went to Brainerd uh, earlier this weekend, helped a okay. friend move uh, from Fine. one place to a new place. It was a lot of heavy lifting. My arms are sore, but I'm uh-huh. feeling very powerful. <laughs> I'm feeling sore nice. and powerful. Nice.
0: <laughs> How about you, Kara?
2: I'm great. Finally, nice spring weather here enjoying time on my deck I am counting down the days to the end of the school year
3: yeah uh, for the
2: second summer in a row I am not teaching during the summer so I'm gonna have a respite and yeah I'm just I'm looking forward now that winter is behind us because this was not like a horrible winter but for some reason it took a lot out of me
0: it was long and did you have the teasing where it'd get really nice and then it'd go back to freezing and then t- really nice? It just- months, Yeah, the, the snow went away
2: fairly cheesy. quickly, but what snow we did get at the end of the, the season was very heavy and wet and- Yes. Yeah, it, just, it was a lot of cold and I'm just like, my bones. I don't like it. Yeah. We, we had record-breaking it.
1: snowfalls in Duluth, so it felt like it took forever. I think we had the yeah. most snow we've ever had on record this year.
0: Yep, yep, we broke the record, which everyone's like, just a couple more inches. I was like, no, I do not need to break that record. I don't care. (laughs) Make the snow stop. So if you did not listen to our 100th episode, uh, one, why? (laughs) Go back, listen. Both Kara as well as her, you know, co-host of their podcast – we're our guest stars, um, but yeah, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about yourself?
2: I, I forgot that I was on the hundredth episode. Wow. Um, uh-huh. thank you so much for having me back So yeah, my name's is Cara Babcock. My pronouns are she her I'm Canadian uh, And I am one half of the podcast prophecy girls Which is a Buffy the vampire slayer rewatch podcast available anywhere podcasts are found uh, and my co-host Stephanie Chow specifically told me this morning she's like give me a shout out so
3: um,
2: (laughs) I would have done that anyway Steph but now because you asked for it I'm putting you on on blast and I'm saying that she specifically requested a shout out
3: Um, (laughs)
2: Steph just had a baby a couple months ago so we've been on a little bit of a recording hiatus we actually just did our first recording um, last Saturday since she had her kid (gasps) Uh, so we're recording a few more bonus episodes this month and then we'll be back to do season six of Buffy later on this summer and I'm super excited um Brittany and Kayla you've both been on the show before with a table read that we did and I'm sure we'll have you back again at some point
3: point. Yay! and
2: yeah I just thank you for having me back I love podcast friends.
1: I love... Y'all are the best. I love having new friends. I love that y'all are recording again, even though... Yeah, shut up. <laughs> she, A
0: reminder, she lives right next to a highway, oh. which is why we usually record in person at my house, <laughs> which is nice
1: and quiet. Um, I love that y'all are recording again. I love that there's going to be new episodes, even though it's going to be season six, which I am fully ready to be depressed for, because y'all are a spoiler-free podcast, but this is not. Season six (laughs) is depressing. Just sad pandas. Just sad pandas (laughs) all around.
2: Oh, don't worry. We'll still have fun. There'll still be jokes. There'll still be jokes. if you will.
1: There will still be lots of bad things to say about the men on that podcast, because they are all...
2: Very questionable in there season six. There are many six. bad men in season six. <laughs> many
1: bad men. So
0: many bad men. I actually, I was re-watching Buffy, this time with Steve, who'd never seen it before, and we got through a couple episodes of season six, um, and the one where you know Buffy and Spike get together officially, he made me turn it off, and we haven't gotten back to it because he was so mad about Spike. He's like, fuck this guy. <laughs> Why? No, don't do it. Don't do it, Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like I'm I mean I'm not quite that upset because I already know what happens, but he was mad. I
3: could we see that. As he should be. Again. Good
2: job.
1: I know. He's <laughs> a good fella. <laughs> I could see him being upset by that absolutely. Um and then I that's why but the I'm glad to hear you recording again. because the whole reason we were inviting you on is we we're like we want to we wanna have Kara and Steph back on, but I was like, But Steph's on Matt leave, like I had asked Brittany, I was like, You think we should just ask Kara? Like just Kara? Do you think she's got anything going on? I mean, I know it's the end of the school year, but maybe she's got nothing going on. I don't I don't
2: know. <laughs> I am very honored that you invited <laughs> be back. Um and Steph would be here if she could, but it's still ch- it's challenging, especially in the evenings for her. Um, oh, yeah. but I'm sure With she'll baby. she'll come back at yeah. some point. And yeah, I mean I just you know, obviously we had such a great time with you talking about vampires for your 100th episode. Um, And then I just, I enjoy listening to Left of Skeptic and the fact that as we were discussing earlier, you know, the two of you are so geographically close to me here in Thunder Bay. It's this cool, it's like, (laughs) I don't know, it adds a frisson to the parasocial relationship where it's like, oh, like they're really close to me.
1: I could reach out. (laughs) If you look at the moon... I am not looking at that same moon, obviously, because that's impossible. It's a, you know, but different you'll think moon. about it's a different it. different moon. Well, yeah, the moon
2: the, moon. the Canadian version of the moon is <laughs> different from the American version.
1: Yep. Yep, it's got health care. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, but right, a... right into the sadness. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, with that beautiful note in mind, uh, Brittany... Should we crack into it? Let's do it.
0: Let's all do it. Oh, yes.
2: <laughs> I came prepared. <laughs>
0: you
1: did come prepared.
0: And we're back. Boom.
1: Well, I was looking at what I should do for this week. Because we already knew what Brittany was going to do. That was well mm-hmm. established. And I was trying to make some fun connections and... And I was like, Cara lives in Canada. I do. And then, so I decided <laughs> to use that as inspiration for my topic for this week because we have discussed a few extraterrestrial encounters on the podcast, but they've all been in the United States. So I've decided to head across the northern border and cover some Canadian UFO sightings. Ooh. Oh, there we go.
0: <laughs> that was really loud. Sorry. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> now we're in an
1: episode that's Canadian of Canadian
2: UFOs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Canadian UFOs went to Degrassi High. That's that intro music. That's also
0: Canadian.
2: <laughs> Drake, one of those secret Canadians, Brendan.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Drake, you can't convince me you're hard. I know your name, Aubrey. <laughs> All right. The modern era of UFO sightings in Canada began in 1947. On June 24th, pilot Kenneth Arnold reported seeing nine shiny flying discs over Mount Rainier in Washington State. Canada's first post-war UFO sightings occurred that same year. Due to the Cold War, the Canadian government was first concerned that the UFOs might present a security threat if they turned out to be advanced Soviet technology. And in the early 1950s, the government launched two separate projects devoted to UFOs. Both came out for the sake of caution and to, like, calm the public. Because these were not being kept secret, so the public was like, what the hell is going on? And this was their attempt to figure it out. Project Magnet, which ran from 1950 to 1954, was started by Wilbert Smith, a radio engineer with the Department of Transport, Smith undertook experiments to determine whether UFOs flew using magnetic energy. He also launched a balloon into the night sky in order to solicit sighting reports and test their accuracy. Finally, he built a UFO observatory at Shirley's Bay, a restricted military site west of Ottawa. And Smith's experiments were inconclusive. He had also come to believe that UFOs were extraterrestrial, which began drawing bad publicity. So the Department of Transport shut down Project Magnet. So at first they were just trying to figure out what these were and if it's like Soviet technology. And then he started like talking about aliens and the government was like, no. Shut it
0: down. (laughs) Shut it down. Bye.
2: (laughs) So were they trying to cover something up?
1: No, I think they were. It sounds
0: like they probably were. sounds like they were trying to cover,
1: cover up Mr. Smith. They were like, eh.
2: Maybe he was getting too close to the truth, Kayla.
1: You can't handle the truth. (laughs) Oh, God, now we're in a Tom Cruise movie. So the government wanted to establish an official position on UFOs. To this end, the Defense Research Board set up Project Second Story, which ran from 1952 to 1954. This committee head was Peter Millman, an astronomer with the Dominion Observatory, and they liked him because, unlike Smith, Milman was hella skeptical of UFOs being anything extraterrestrial in origin. And he was vocal about that. In his okay. opinion, the whole thing was a waste of time and there was no way these things were extraterrestrial. So what the hell were they doing? So they hired somebody to run it that they knew weren't going to waste their money going into these odd, weird things. He was just there to disprove any extraterrestrial issues. The committee did not investigate any sightings. It acted as an advisory board only, and it worked to standardize a UFO sighting form. It also attempted to debunk sightings as nothing more than misidentified natural phenomena, such as meteorites. Project Second Story concluded that UFOs, if they were real at all, were not amenable to scientific inquiry.
2: That's so Canadian a standardized UFO sighting form. <laughs> we're very good at bureaucracy. <laughs> Please line up in an orderly queue and report your UFO using this standardized form.
1: <laughs> just bubbles. Fill in the bubble completely. If you do not fill in the bubble completely, the answer will not be recognized.
2: But as we know... pencil.
1: <laughs> number two. No pens. We don't like pens here. But as we know, just because the government doesn't care or doesn't want to believe it doesn't mean the public does not care. So... After shutting all these things down, citizens across the country took interest in UFOs. Many wrote letters to the government requesting information. These requests Uh ranged from polite to weird to demanding and everything in between. Citizens wanted to know what the heck these UFOs were. They also asked whether UFOs posed a threat to national security and what the government was doing about them. Um, some accused the government of a cover up implicating a ton of conspiracy theories. And then there were those that claimed to have seen a UFO and were convinced they were extra extraterrestrial objects. And government officials stated that such ideas were nonsense and assured the citizens that there was nothing to fear. So they're receiving all these requests and, and you know, they're being like aliens, and the government's being like, Stop. You're being ridiculous. Go sit You're in just the corner.
0: They just got to do what America did and just be like, you know, if we all run at Area 51 at once, they can't stop us all. We can get in.
2: But we don't <laughs> have an Area 51.
0: <laughs> what where was it called, Kayla?
1: Well, no, this was just uh this wasn't this was just part of the Department of Transport. This was nothing special or spectacular here.
0: They can't all stop us if we <laughs> run we at run the, Department the Department of Transport. Of Transport. <laughs> All at once.
1: (laughs) All right. And then our podcast was shut down for attempting to overthrow the Canadian government.
0: We're not in Canada.
1: We're just almost in Canada. (laughs) Many citizens thought the government was giving them the go around and double speak. And they took it upon themselves to start investigating UFOs. Beginning in the 1950s, people formed UFO clubs. They met in homes, hotels, hotels. Church basements, because of course, and auditoriums to speculate about the objects. For example, Wilbert Smith, the person who ran Project Magnet, formed the Ottawa Flying Saucer Club. Others formed the Vancouver area Flying Saucer Club, which hosted prominent ufologists and distributed recordings of their talks, along with media accounts. Um, These sort of clubs were the one of the main ways that. The citizens all kept in contact with each other and agreed to keep sharing their information. Some citizens went even further and established UFO investigation groups to find out exactly what they were on their own time. Many of these groups existed from the 1960s until the 1980s. Uh, In Scarborough, Ontario, there was the Canadian Aerial Phenomena Investigations Committee. A group called Canada UFO Research operated in uh, Oshawa, Ontario. Um, Winnipeg, Manitoba had the Canadian Aerial Phenomena Research Organization. Uh, There was one in Quebec, uh, the UFO Study Group. And these groups lobbied for the government to make more action against UFOs and research into them, along with advocating for disclosure of information to the public. And sometimes they even lobbied for funds from the government to carry out the investigation on their own since the government had stopped investigating.
0: That is so cute. I want to be part of a UFO club if they have coffee and cookies, because that's what it sounds like has happened.
2: Dear federal government, please fund my UFO club.
1: (laughs) And then somebody else writes a second. If the UFO club gets money, the anime club should get money, too. (laughs) And then they just (laughs) and then all of a sudden, just additional. They're like after school programs, just fighting for the like they fight with the school board to get funding. Boom.
0: Yeah, exactly. It'll be adorable.
1: So in the late 1960s, public focus shifted from what or who UFOs are to just calling for more government transparency. Um, At a time when the Official Secrets Act was severely restricted what document they could access, citizens wanted better access to information so they could collect and analyze the UFO reports themselves. They were like, yo, you guys are not telling us the truth. The truth is out there. We want it in here, so we'll get the out there information into here. And they had to wait until 1983 when the Access to Information Act came into effect.
2: So uh, if you would like some historical context to why 1983. Yes please. Was... yes, please. So Canada you know, has an interesting political relationship with Great Britain. Mm. Uh, Canada officially became... The dominion of canada in 1867 we call that confederation and that was only um what, what's now ontario and quebec and nova scotia and new brunswick and prince edward island uh and then we gradually kind of you know colonized the western part of what's now canada uh not a good history um and then newfoundland finally joined in 1949 um but for a long part of the history in the 20th century of canada we were still largely beholden to great britain uh, they were the ones who had the power to amend our constitution. Um, so we were an independent like sovereign nation, but uh, th- they still had, you know control over things like if we wanted to change the Constitution until 1982 when we repatriated the Constitution. And that's when they introduced the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Uh, and it finally really kind of severed our final kind of constitutional ties to the United Kingdom. Um so up until that point you know things like the Official Secrets Act we had inherited from British oh. law and so the early 1980s was really kind of this um like everything after 1982 just so much legislation was passed because we could finally like implement things like the Canadian way so you had things like the Access to Information Act being passed and all these other pieces of legislation going through as you know the various governments really sought to differentiate themselves from so it's like this
1: big public shift like yep
0: yeah I am blown away by the fact that that happened just like a couple years before I was born like I mean you know what was it 1776 America was like go away Britain we don't want you here
1: anymore and 1983 man crazy if I learned anything from Hamilton, it was a lot more musical than that, but that is the basic idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like to sum things up without the music. Um, so, y'all. That's what you're here for.
1: Y'all took over the Newfies in the 40s? Like, that's how long that took to happen?
2: Newfoundland did not join Confederation until 1949. And if you'd like to learn more about that, there's a wonderful recent episode of the CBC podcast, The Secret Life of Canada. That talks all about why it took so long for Newfoundland to join. I potential. will actually
1: listen to that because I think I want to know. I think the Newfoundland accent is hilarious. I, 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 uh, I watch Letterkenny a lot. Oh, and they have a whole okay. take on Newfies that I find very funny. Very funny. Um, something to do with basically how people who are from Newfoundland. Like. They're like, we don't, we have our own way of talking. That is our thing. We don't care if you don't understand it. We're not changing. That's our thing. You figure it out or you leave. And it makes me so very happy.
0: <laughs> that is the kind of attitude I want to bring into every day of my life. <laughs> this is me. Figure it out. Sorry. Sorry. Uh or leave. Well when
2: when you live on what's basically a windswept rock, you have to kind of have that (laughs) attitude.
1: Yeah, probably. (laughs) All right, so 1983, Access to Information Act. UFO investigators began filing formal requests for information, and these items released confirmed that the government was not hiding any documentation about extraterrestrials. In fact, the only information withheld were personal details like names and addresses of witnesses. And I have to wonder if those got like those that got all riled up about it were disappointed. Like they were ready for a big government conspiracy. And they're like, no, there's just there's just nothing to talk about. I mean, now you can have these like these personal reports, but that's about it. Or...
0: You could have had the the conspiracy theorists who were like, they're still keeping the information from us.
1: (laughs) Well, they had those who filed requests received documents on the sightings, but they never had any proof of UFO visitation. So I suppose, yes, they could have been like, no, it's still. But I think it's more like, oh, I guess we don't have any massive secrets here. okay? And then they but but they're like, that doesn't mean we don't believe what's going on. We're still going to keep doing our clubs and our ufology research good someone's got to hold that bake sale in 1995 due to budget cuts the government and its agencies stopped collecting reports altogether side note a digitized collection of the federal government's ufo documents are available uh, on the library and archives canada website fun fact you could get all of those yourself they're just right there This meant that UFO enthusiasts and witnesses began turning instead to civilian investigations for their own reports to try to set up their own thing. One such investigation is the Winnipeg-based organization, UFOlogy Research, which produces the annual Canadian UFO survey. An annual survey? An annual survey. In a 2019 article from the CBC... Canadian Broadcasting Corporation I had to look that up I didn't actually know what it stand for acclaimed ufologist Christopher Rutowski who is with ufology research is described as Canadian's fox molder as a matter of fact uh, Rutowski says that. that UFO sightings in Canada are more common than we think there are about 1000 UFO reports filed in Canada every year and the number remains high while it may dip every once in a while it's pretty consistently near the thousand range per year. UFOlogy research, formerly UFOlogy research of Manitoba, has been analyzing UFO data since 1989 in an effort to help understand the strange phenomena. The most recent UFOlogy research survey I could find available to the public was the 2020 Canadian UFO survey. So I have to wonder if maybe things dropped down during COVID, like they just didn't have a way of getting all that information And now it should be noted that these reports do not automatically mean aliens. For these studies, the working UFO definition is an object seen in the sky which its observer cannot identify.
0: An identified flying object. Yep. Yep.
1: Sources for the 2020 Canadian UFO cases include UFO groups and organizations, Government sources such as Transport Canada and communication instructions for reporting vital intelligence sightings or service. It's very. It was one that I couldn't quite tell. I I think that's a Canadian or like I think that's a government organization from everything I was finding. It looks like a a thing. Uh, Social media such as Facebook, Reddit, Twitter and YouTube, along with independent UFO researchers. There were. 1,243 UFO sightings recorded in Canada in 2020, which marked the highest total number of UFO reports recorded in a single year since the annual Canadian UFO survey began in 1989. It was 46% higher than the 2019 report, which had marked the lowest number of reports since 2009. 13% of all 2020 UFO reports are officially categorized as unexplained. Oh, In 2020, Ontario led all Canadian provinces with 30% of all Canadian UFO reports, followed by Quebec with 24 and British Columbia with 17. The study found that about 60% of all Canadian UFO sightings were just simple lights in the sky. Witnesses also reported triangles, spheres, and boomerang shapes. If these statistics are something you are more interested in, you can check it out uh, and see the data from year to year at CanadianUFOReport.com and they have all the rep- reports available for almost every year that you could just download right in as a PDF. They have it broken down by like provinces, times a day, metropolitan areas, everything. It's actually really interesting. I spent way too much time sitting and looking at
2: it.
0: Have you, Kara? have you ever filled out a UFO survey?
2: I have not. I, nobody's ever asked me to. So oh my gosh. Nobody's ever come to my door. And Or put something in my bell box and said, like, hey, you know, tell us if you've seen a UFO. So maybe
1: it's even more. You know, that tells me they they're They just not, didn't get the survey. They're not canvassing properly. Yeah,
2: this is all news to me. I've never heard about any of this. They
1: are not canvassing properly. Get on your game. Little Canadian UFO... UFOlogists. <laughs> okay. So here are some significant occurrences that have been reported in Canada. And I went to probably about... 15 different sources on the internet to try to get as many details together as possible. Uh, they were actually pretty all pretty consistently the same. There was not a lot of variance. Around midday on May 20th, 1967, amateur prospector Stephen McClack was on the hunt for precious metals in Whiteshell Provincial Park, Falcon Lake, Manitoba. When he suddenly noticed two strange objects in the sky both glowed with intense red and they glared as they descended from the sky one abruptly left the scene but the other landed roughly 50 meters away and he moved in to get a closer look the object was humming and it was described as having a sulfurous smell it appeared to be made from some type of stainless steel like material peering into a brightly lit opening Stephen heard muffled sounds and tried calling out to them, only to be met with silence. He touched the seamless sides of the craft, which melted the tips of his gloves, and when the UFO suddenly lifted off the ground, it emitted a blast of hot air or gas that knocked Stephen onto his back, igniting his shirt and causing a grid-like pattern of third-degree burns on his chest. Uh, yikes. Stephen said that he became ill in the following weeks and a photograph of his chest eight months later showed burn marks in the patterns of dots. The incident. Did
2: he did he not get like medical
1: attention? <laughs> well, I think he like went in for burns, but they maybe I mean, maybe they just like scars. Is it like burn yeah, scars? They're just like than... burn scars, like just marks that were left there. Mm. I'm guessing they were just like, yeah, these are burns. And then I don't know that they lent, went, from what I can tell, I don't know that they went into any more detail than that. Or he could be one of those people that doesn't like to go to the hospital, so he's like, I can handle this. We're fine. We're good. I'm tough.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wonder if he also got the survey. Like, <laughs> did he get to officially <laughs> report that, or?
2: Well, this was 1967.
0: Oh, prior, the prior survey, yeah.
1: to the survey. Steven said that he became ill in the following weeks, and, uh that that photograph that showed the dots was the only other evidence he had ex- that something happened except for him feeling ill the incident was commemorated in a glow in the dark coin re- released by the Canadian mint in 2018 it is a 20 dollar coin designed by artist Joel Kimmel and i am not a coin collector but this is now a coin i want i've heard of this the alien queen photos oh, of Rango. this I have it here.
2: Who decided that? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Obviously, someone who is an alien enthusiast, one of the club
1: members.
2: And was it glow in the dark because of the UFO link or were like was it just part of a line of glow in the dark coins?
1: It was uh so this one specifically I think they were I think they all glow in, glowed in the dark because of the alien link. Like, but there was a series of alien ones and this was his specific one.
2: Oh, so this wasn't the only alien related coin. Yep, because Gotcha. Okay. That that makes it less weird to me. It, it, just, a single it seemed weird that, alien that was like the coin. only one chosen, but I get it now. Okay.
1: <laughs> I mean, I still don't really get it. So yes, this right here. Oh wow. It's twenty dollars and and yeah, when you when you have it.
2: Out of like in the in the well, it's not it's not twenty dollars. It's seventeen hundred. No, but is it, that's seventeen hundred Canadian, No, So it's probably only
3: about fifty bucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I bet the coin is a twenty dollar coin, and it yeah, when it's in the daylight, it looks like the guy like falling backwards. But then yeah, it glows pink and yellow when you when you have the lights off. So it's in stock. If you want to just spend seventeen hundred bucks, you could do that.
2: Seventeen hundred Canadian <laughs> dollars. You can get this for a steal. A steal of case. a deal. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, the exchange rate is brutal. Right now.
1: I believe that. Hey
0: Kayla, it's only uh twelve hundred and fifty
1: dollars US. Oh man, still a steal of a deal. That is whoa, that is <laughs> an insane exchange rate. That's a, <laughs> holy shit. <Yeah. laughs> wow. Wow. <sighs> So during the same year as the Falcon Lake sighting, people reported in the night skies over Shag Harbor, Nova Scotia, that there were glowing objects with four lights that flashed off and on before crashing into the harbor. Eyewitnesses claimed they watched as a large orange glowing object sank into the water after. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police... There are
3: four four lights. lights.
1: (laughs) It's weird. What is this? i got to fill out that UFO report. Why don't they ever send it to me? (laughs) The Royal Canadian Mounted Police, thinking that a plane had crashed, organized a rescue effort, but were unable to recover any object. Divers searched the seafloor, but they Mm -hmm. also came up empty. Since no planes were reported missing and the case was classified as a UFO sighting, they just kind of did their due diligence, looked around, saw nothing, and let it go. To this day, Shag Harbor holds the annual festival dedicated to this strange incident. Just sets of four lights everywhere. I don't. I don't know. I didn't go. I've never been. They might. Maybe it is. Maybe it's just they're just like eh. Over the water, we'll have four floating lights. Festival over. Buy expensive beer and uh and and snacks that are of fried food because that's what festivals are. It's just all about the fried food and beer. During a rainy night in August, again in 1967, because apparently 1967 was poppin', a series of crop circles mysteriously appeared in a farmer's field in Duamel, Alberta. The local press was immediately notified, followed by a UFO club in Edmonton, and then national media. A scientist from nearby military facilities investigated, finding the field trampled by visitors... So a lot of the evidence was damaged. The six crop circles appeared to contain tread marks as if from a tire, but only on small portions of the circles. Despite this, the scientists concluded that the circles were not a hoax. A soil sample test proved inconclusive. And in the end, the scientists admitted that the marks appeared as if made from a hovering aircraft, but could not conclude the investigation one way or another.
0: I like how they trampled a crop circle. Like, do you guys not understand where the evidence in that lies? I think On the ground.
1: I think at that point people's brain goes to must see cool object, like over must preserve cool object.
2: Just think about the number of people, Brittany, who would touch a and contaminate a crop. Yep. It hurts me
1: so much. On the inside. Um, In 1989, several people in Marieville, Quebec, reported being awakened in the middle of the night by a noise that sounded similar to an electric generator. Witnesses also reported seeing an intense blue light shining outside their windows. Two days later, a perfect circle about 20 meters in diameter was found outside of the home of one of the witnesses. The Mounties were called to investigate, but the source of the lights and the strange markings remains unknown. Rakowski recently traveled to Duncan, British Columbia, a small town on Vancouver Island that was home to Granger Taylor. Taylor's story is told in the CBC documentary Spaceman. Taylor, who became obsessed with space travel, left a note telling his family he could communicate with extraterrestrials and was going on an interstellar journey and then vanished. But Taylor wasn't the only one who reported a strange encounter in Duncan, Lisa Neidahl was a teenager in 1980 when she saw a boomerang-shaped object in the sky over the town gliding towards the mountains, and it, apparently it just did a 90-degree turn and went straight up and disappeared. It was unlike anything she'd ever seen. So, I don't know.
0: That seems like pretty normal stuff for boomerangs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why is that so funny?
0: I don't know. I'm glad you thought it was funny. I thought it was stupid.
2: I I was going to ask if you had any info on the incidents of abduction in Canada, because I was curious to see, like, do Canadians get abducted more? It would appear that
1: the reports of abductions are way less, so much so that I it was it's mostly UFO sightings. So I don't know. I don't know if people are just keeping it to themselves more or if. Or they're, they're not, not gonna the survey. Doing the survey. They're like, if I'm not
0: gonna get the survey, well gosh, I'm not gonna bug them with that information.
1: Or if the extraterrestrials just fly over and they go, I don't know. This area has a lot of vast, like untouched wildernesses that they it sounds like they have their own problems. Let's go deal with the people who are way overpopulated and causing problems down a little further south.
0: No, no, no! It is it, that's not why they they would grab Americans versus Canadians. They're like Canadians; they seem like they're doing okay. Americans, I don't know what's going on with them.
1: Maybe we should see what makes them different. <laughs> Jesus Christ! That could be. That could be. We all never know. I still don't know why they'd have any interest in taking us at all. Just let it burn. <laughs> oh, maybe <laughs> they
0: need to figure out why we have that attitude, Kayla. <laughs> They're really just psychologists
1: from the sky. So those were a. Ali- <laughs> <laughs> they want to pull. They want to. want to pull us up into their shiny silver aircrafts, and have us lay on a couch and talk about our problems.
0: Yeah. Why it- are you destroying your own planet? It's, it's, it's an interstellar oh episode. Oh my god! Yes. yes,
1: please. Only if the aliens have a mustache.
2: So explain to us why you're destroying Please. your planets.
1: Do you not understand that this is not
0: make good it make for sense. you? If you destroy the planet, you will die.
1: And then it just delves into a like alien version of Jerry Springer. It goes from Dr. Phil to J- Jerry Springer. Next thing you know, we're throwing chairs. <laughs> we're trying to fight the aliens. They're like, get off our ship. We're like, you can't kick me off. It's a whole thing.
0: I'm an American. America. I got rights.
1: So those were a lot of reports from the past. I decided to try and find some of the higher quality unknown sightings reports from 2020, the most recent report I could find. There was a sighting from the pilot of a North Star Air Limited charter airplane from Thunder Bay to Sushigo Lake, Ontario. He reported an object passing over the right wing, approximately three feet in diameter, with no traffic radar in the on the radar in the vicinity. So he just had something out of nowhere with no traffic. It was not he made a point to say that it was not a bird or anything like that. It was a weird object that just passed right over their their wing. I don't think I would like to see that if I was in a plane. I'd be like, "Oh, no, too close." One report from Cochrane, Alberta, states I was driving with my son westbound on RR262 when I noticed a gray, pie-shaped object in the sky out of my driver's side window. I alerted my son to look at it, and he spotted it right away. As I was driving, I had my attention divided between the road ahead and the object in the sky to my left. I took four or five two to three second glances at the object, which seemed to be standing stationary in the sky. The object began to rotate, appearing to turn black. After it turned black, I looked away to check the road, and when I looked back, it was gone. No trail, nothing. Very clear sky with high visibility, and uh, I have binoculars in my truck, which I quickly passed to my son earlier on in the sighting, and he struggled to find it through the binoculars. He watched for the first 10 seconds or so. He was able to find it. The object was triangular in shape. It looked proportionally like a thick piece of cake. The tail end was also V-shaped or possibly described as a shallow chevron when observed from directly below. There were no windows, lights, lines, or markings on the object's surface, and the edges were all rounded. Within one minute of us seeing it, the object, we witnessed a military plane flying in the direction of our sighting and did not see anything past that. Uh, In 2020, a witness in Ottawa sent in a report stating, I saw a blinking light in the sky similar to a strobe light. At first, I assumed it was a plane or a helicopter. But after a minute or so, the light did not move. Only the blinking light was visible. The object was in a clearing between the clouds. During dusk, it was still pretty bright, so I took out my binoculars and looked at the source of light. I saw an object, dark in color, chevron-shaped, facing me with one-side blinking light equal time intervals. Looked like the object had the same light on the other side of it. Smaller lights were visible at the bottom of the object, changing colors from green to purple and blue. My wife witnessed the object as well and confirmed the shape and lights. After around 20 minutes hovering in the same spot, 70 degrees above the horizon, the object began to move westbound. So apparently lots of chevron shapes, and a lot of Canadians just have binoculars on hand. (laughs)
2: <laughs> you need them like don't you
0: do, do you have some
1: in your vehicle
2: I do not I don't think I have any in my house I'm so, I'm not a very outdoorsy person so
1: maybe that's maybe all these reports are from outdoorsy people that would make
2: sense yeah so like I've never personally witnessed anything I would call a UFO I don't know if either of you two have
1: I it's a, it's again like the haunting thing I want to but no mm. sadly never have
0: I don't think I have either. I think it just was a, a plane. Um, we have an airport near us, so.
1: Yeah. There's, and tons of, like, hobby flyers. Like, we have a lot of small, like, hangars where people just fly because they can. Yep. The spike in reports coinciding with the beginning of COVID-19 pandemic is likely not a coincidence, according to Rutkowski. Rutkowski says these sort of claims tend to spike during tumultuous times in world history. Like amid mounting Cold War anxieties of the 1950s, for instance, or say, you know, a worldwide pandemic.
2: So you're saying the aliens caused COVID? That's clearly the only explanation here.
1: And next thing you know, next week, left-of-skeptic canceled among among uh, spreading false COVID rumors. To be clear, I am not <laughs> blaming aliens for the pandemic. It is a real thing. All of I'm agreeing with the CDC. Like we'll just. Get all that out of the way. I don't want anybody taking my stuff out of context. The truth will
2: come out, Kayla. <laughs> you can't silence us. You can't.
0: We talked about COVID even less than this, and then we got a little COVID truth information thing
2: on Spotify. Yeah, so. really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. As oh soon my as goodness. you mention
1: it, it it
2: pops up. Yeah, there. It pops up there. Wow, that's so interesting.
0: I have two theories as to why it would have spiked during COVID. Uh, if the assumption is that aliens do in fact exist, I think one they were like, "What an interesting phenomenon happening on Earth! Let's check it figure out. Figure what's going on. Let's see what happens." And two, because we weren't allowed to socialize in public areas, I'm guessing people spent more time on their deck or just driving around versus like being inside. And yeah. I think that that could also explain the spike like maybe there were always that many aliens flying around but because we were actually like just bored and looking up at the sky rather than hanging out with our friends yeah
1: very true
2: yeah those those explanations um both sound sensible to me i also think that like kayla was saying with times of like heightened anxiety you're more prone to fixate on unexplained phenomena. Whereas before, yes. you know, if you're not as stressed, you're you probably are just gonna dismiss, oh, there's some weird lights in the sky, you're not gonna focus probably on it. And now it's like, oh, I'm super stressed by everything. And there's weird lights in the sky. What is going on? Yep. Yep.
0: In all fairness, didn't our government like release a bunch of things about UFOs right? About this time during 2020. Yeah,
3: they
2: declassified a lot of the Pentagon's information on UFOs, which is so fascinating to me because everybody's like, oh, you know, the government is admitting that aliens exist. And it's like, no, they're just admitting that there's a lot of stuff that they don't know what it is in the sky, which,
1: fair. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Canadians own Fox Mulder, Rakowski, figures about 95% of the sightings he investigates can be explained. The strange objects often turn out to be airplanes, satellites, fireballs, or more recently, and what might account for a lot of things with the pandemic, drones, because those got very popular.
2: Mm -hmm. Wait, 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 though. Fireballs?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I tried to find more into that. I think, does he mean, like, meteorites? Maybe?
2: Maybe? I'm just like, wait a minute. Like, obviously, that's not aliens, but also, like...
1: We should be
0: concerned. That'd be a story
2: to tell. Oh, I just saw a giant <laughs> fireball. This guy.
0: <laughs> I, I aren't. Couldn't that be those things caused by like swamp gases, like decomposing trees and plant matter? It becomes like a noxious gas, and then if something happens, it can.
1: That's news to me. I didn't know. Wait, hmm. is that not a thing? All you have me picturing is like the bog of eternal stench from the labyrinth. Like, that's all I can see in my head. So it might not be a thing. It might be a thing. I really don't know. I don't know. Um, Well, you look that up, Brittany. Rakowski says there is no incontrovertible evidence that says that aliens are visiting us, although it is a wonderful theory. The world seems so overwhelmed and life seems so impossible People are worried about what will happen with their lives, so they're looking for creatures from elsewhere to come and save them. That's wonderful, wishful thinking, but it's not really helping the scientific analysis of this phenomenon, unquote. And I'm like, true. It's nice that he's thinking about it in a kind way. He's like, this is just why people are, you know, feeling like this, but... If you could stop making false reports, that would really help us do scientific studies. Thanks.
2: (laughs) How do we know if it's a false report, right? Because if I don't report because I think it might be false, then I'm not helping either because then you haven't heard my report.
1: And I think that's one of the trickiest part of any of this type of situation is everybody can claim 800 different times that... You know, they saw this, they did this, and you're like, okay, I have 800 reports here. How do I determine which ones? I either have to take them all or I take none of them because there's no way to know for sure when you're only going off of eyewitness accounts. So then you take them all because without that, you have nothing.
0: I was correct. I am so smart. Okay. (laughs) Let's hear it. Uh, So... When you it's it's more in like bog like settings, swamp like settings. Um when dead animals and dead plants end up decaying, they create a gas which then floats up into the air and you'll often see it as like it's bubbles.
3: Their
0: souls. And it yeah, it's where the uh, the idea of the will o' the wisp came from is people would see these like Lights that just kind of like popped up, and it seems like there is a lot of confusion as to why they start on fire. But scientists know that they do sometimes. It also was the uh, origin of like the idea of jack o' lanterns, I guess. Oh, according okay. To this, but yeah, fun fact.
1: Still, fireballs. Still only picturing the bog of eternal stench.
0: Good, because Good. I mean, they probably doesn't smell great. It's it's like methane gas, so.
1: That's and I think I wonder if that's part of what they take their inspiration for with those things, because the whole idea behind the bog of eternal stench is if you even step one foot in the bog of eternal stench, you will smell bad for the rest of your life. Oh, shit. That sucks. I was, I was very largely obsessed with the labyrinth as a child. All right. Another large jump in sightings has occurred early this year. Rakowski saw an uptick in reported sightings of unidentified flying objects in February. Right after U.S. jets shot down three objects over the course of a weekend. And I don't know if you all remember this, but that February weekend, fighter jets took down an unidentified object over the northern coast of Alaska on Friday, one over central Yukon on Saturday, and another over Lake Huron on Sunday. So that was exciting times. I and do it was a fighter because... pilot from Duluth.
2: Yeah, I listened to the episode that you did about UFOs yep. after that. Yeah.
1: The flurry of close encounters followed what officials said was a Chinese surveillance balloon that floated across the continent and was shot down off the coast of South Carolina. Government officials on both sides of the border stated there is no indication the objects were the work of aliens or extraterrestrial activities. Following the U.S. and Canadian government's unprecedented decision to take action against the objects, Rakowski received a number of sighting descriptions, including one to an Ontario highway near Cambridge, where somebody said they saw a black rectangle move across the highway. Rakowski said people are keeping a closer eye to the skies and thankfully are reporting them so we can get some data on what people are seeing. Rakowski's current work delves into historical UFO sightings. He's been digging into government, police, and military documents for the last half of a century. Quote, if there isn't a physical phenomenon, there's at very least a psychological or sociological phenomenon. And in any of these cases, science really should be taking a closer look at the UFOs, unquote. So he thinks there is probably life out there somewhere and that they might have developed the ability to travel between the stars, But he points out quickly that we have no proof of that. He's just saying that the probability is never zero. Mm -hmm,
3: mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. And according to Paul Kingsbury, a professor in the Department of Geography at Simon Fraser University. In academic circles, the notion of studying this phenomenon has been taken more seriously after the details about the Pentagon's UFO program were released in 2017. While the the U.S. has made coordinated efforts to document this issue, there is a disconnect on the Canadian side. And Kingsbury says it's important for the Biden administration and Canada to work transparently with the scientific community so that academics can access information and data that will help identify these objects. It would allow the public to more fully understand what these objects are, their nature and what is causing them, and the consequences of so many reports of these objects in our skies." As the Canadians continue to navigate global unrest associated with COVID-19 pandemic, climate disasters and wars overseas, messages shrouded in mixed messages and mystery can leave people feeling anxious. Being transparent wherever possible is also important for people's peace of mind, Kingsbury said. So the the way they concluded this from all my research is A lot of these articles were saying Canada and the U.S. need to work together so that the scientists can meld all the research and they don't have to keep dealing with the issues and the red tape back and forth.
0: You know what, y'all? I think this is the first step to getting there.
1: (laughs) This episode, play it for everybody. Mm -hmm. Just, Mm -hmm. we'll just, yep. yep. That this will be- Two Americans
0: and a Canadian. If- if we this can This is how we build relationships. If we if can, we get can together. work together.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can overcome our differences.
1: <laughs> if we can do this. Y'all can do this. Get your head out of your ass, governments. Boom. <sighs> All right, and that is my uh that's my story on a brief history of Canadian UFO sightings.
3: <laughs> I
0: am I like still it. blown away by the fact that there aren't that many abductions. Mm-hmm. Well, in comparison to to the U.S.
1: And that's just that's just another thing. I guess this focused on UFO sightings. Like at some point I realized what I was finding and then I just stuck to UFO sightings. So I guess I could have dug yeah. more. But it didn't seem like when I was doing the initial looking into this idea, it didn't seem like there was a lot of reports of abductions in Canada. Except everything I found that claimed to be like possible abductions was in the Alaskan Triangle. Hmm. And that was like the closest I could get to because obviously that's not Canada, but it's way the fuck up there. That's where everybody that's where a lot of the reports of missing people seem to come from. So part of me wonders if a lot of if there is a lot of abductions are people outside of like metropolitan areas just deciding that it's people getting lost in the woods and that's the end of it. Cuz that was like a lot the of national the national blaming... parks
3: disappearances. Yep, exactly.
1: All right. So, on a skeptic scale of paranormal, para being 5, normal being 1, how much do we think that a lot of the UFO the unexplained UFO experiences in Canada are extraterrestrial in origin?
2: So, I think it might be useful to kind of break it down in terms of pre like I don't I don't know when drones got popular, but like pre- drones. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. I
2: would be more likely to say it could be extraterrestrial because there were fewer plausible terrestrial explanations for things that acted very artificially in the the sky. Yes. I do feel like now that drones are basically like you can just buy them from a store. Uh, you uh-huh. know everybody and their aunt can have a, a drone now <sighs> I hate to say it, but I feel like it's kind of game over for UFO settings because basically anything you see in the sky that's acting weird you could write off as being a drone these days and so I feel yep. like it's just it's very it's a lot harder now not to just hand wave it away as oh it was a drone so I um, believe that
0: that's yep. what they want you to think. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, okay. So I, I would say like the you know, like the 1967 thing where it's like uh, the, the commemorated by the coin. I mean, maybe it's just the one guy making up the story or, you know, he was like super drunk or something. I don't know. Um, you know, that kind of thing, I would say I'd go like maybe a three. OK. But nowadays, I'm going to be a little bit more skeptical just because. Like, let's put it this way. I don't think we've gotten any better at like. Citing ufos Mm -hmm. but there's so many more plausible explanations for what it could be so i would go like it's like a one these days
1: all right Mm -hmm. i I, actually i think i might hop on that train that sounds about right to me i agree because i I didn't the
0: logic is sound
1: i didn't even think about i was thinking about drones obviously i'd mentioned it but i didn't even think about how anybody can just get a drone and operate one so it's not like you have reports from those people who are just flying their drones around so there's no way to invalidate somebody's claim fully you're just going to make assumptions so yes yeah
2: like i could see weird lights in the sky but it could just be my neighbor doing drones right like i don't know
1: yep all right three and one sounds right to me too i think you do have to split it that way and so
2: i just want to add this uh because this is a paranormal podcast Do we think that these threes, these uh, UFOs that we're having trouble explaining, we think they're, you know, possibly extraterrestrial, what if they're paranormal instead? Has anybody ever investigated if there's like a paranormal, like like a, a terrestrial but supernatural explanation to these UFOs? Because I would almost be more willing to believe that because... You know, like Rakowski said, it's like it it just statistically it seems really unlikely that any other alien life that has the ability to space travel would make its way to Earth, Mm -hmm. um, given the vastness of the universe. Whereas if anything, like I believe that aliens exist. I just Mm -hmm. believe it's unlikely they're going to make their way here. Whereas like I'm very skeptical when it comes to paranormal and supernatural phenomena But I'm also willing to have that open mind of like, well, maybe there's just like these unexplained phenomena that we haven't like natural phenomena that we haven't really studied very well. Or maybe there is something paranormal out there. And maybe UFOs are actually paranormal.
1: I'll have to look into that. That'd be interesting to find out. I feel like when we deal with outdoor paranormal experiences, they're usually things that are Not in the sky. It's like cryptids in the Mm -hmm. woods or it's a haunted road. We always want to associate it with tragedies that have happened. And so we're not looking up for that. So we're assuming that all ghostly activity is going to exist down here on the ground, not way up in the sky. But that would be mighty fucking presumptuous.
0: Yeah. so Mighty fucking presumptuous, Kayla.
1: I admitted it. (laughs) (laughs) That accusatory tone with me, Miss Ma'am. No, I loved it. What a fun (laughs) saying. I'm going to use that all the
0: time. People will say things to me. I'm like, well, that's mighty fucking presumptuous of you.
1: (laughs) All right. Brittany, what do you think rating wise?
0: Uh, I'm I'm honestly I'm going to agree with the two of you. I think that was a very sound argument. And I am curious, though, I uh, I feel like there are places that have both a lot of paranormal as well as potential UFO like crossover, but as a blanket phenomenon, the UFO activity potentially being something paranormal, like I'm, I'm interested in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that a lot, a lot. Taylor, hey, get on it.
2: Get or like get time on. Time travel. It. Yeah. You know, Doctor like, Who. So there's a there's a novel by Canadian author Emily St. John Mandel. Uh, She wrote Station Eleven, which you might have heard of because it got turned into a TV series. Uh Um, But she wrote a a more recent novel called Sea of Tranquility, and it's a time travel novel where different time periods, including a time period set on a colony on the moon, are, like, connected. And so, like, people in these different time periods will, like, hear, like, somebody playing a cello um, in the future, but like they can hear it where they are like in the middle of the wilderness and you know it, it it's the kind of thing where it's like oh is this like a ghost is this like an alien thing and it turns out to be a time travel thing and so again I'm just I'm thinking about how like there's so many of these paranormal kind of phenomena that you can easily conflate and there's all these possible alternative explanations
0: that is actually a really good point point. Because yes, we might be able to look at flight patterns and be like, "Well, there were no planes," but there are a lot of different stories involving like what people think are ghosts. But really, it's just like looking at that in a different moment um, because we see time as linear, but that's not that's not really how it is. And so, a lot of people will have situations where they see something and it's that. To them, they're, that person is not dead. It's just, like, a different time in the same place that seems to, like, get woven together. So maybe there wouldn't be a plane in the sky on that night, but that doesn't mean that you're mm. not seeing something from a different time when there was a plane.
2: Yeah, or are they, like, clairvoyant or, you know, precognitive, and so they're seeing where there's going to be a plane in the future or oh my a god! In a different part of Guys, the world. Guys, We solved
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> We solved
0: should it. Should
2: we write a book about
1: this? We should. I think we a need a collaborative to. book on this specifically. Absolutely,
0: because we're all scientists. So let's
1: do science things. I am definitely qualified, she says.
0: Brittany, as she's, lack
2: of scientific credentials has never stopped anybody from writing books about <laughs> aliens. And ghosts.
0: You're throwing down some some pretty heavy facts. I'm
2: just saying some hard truths. Some
0: hard truths. <laughs>
2: I'm about 30 seconds away from suggesting we should start a cult. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it, it's not bad as long as we call it a club. The alien club. Can we apply
2: for some federal funding?
1: The- yes. We'll, consi- we're, we'll be an international club because there's <gasps> two countries involved. We're golden. We're not going gonna- to
0: sound so professional, y'all.
1: <laughs> we're not going to ask Steph. Steph's just in the cult. Yeah, she's already in it. Yep, she's already in it. There's no asking. There's no asking. It's, it's just a that's how you. that's how you know it's a cult. We're just going to start grabbing people, making them join, giving them no option. Like, sorry, you're one of us now. One of us. One of us. <laughs> one of us.
2: This took a disturbing turn. I
1: <laughs> uh, we rolled with it. We loved it. We loved it. And then we recognized that that's probably not a good idea. Let's not do this. All right. We'll just stick I with don't. the book, no cult, just the book. Fine. Well, maybe,
0: maybe the book will get really popular and then someone will make a cult inspired by the book. And then we don't have to do any of the work. See, Except there for you go. The writing of the book part. There you go. Boom.
1: Brittany, what do you got for us
0: this week?
3: Ha
0: <laughs> ha. Y'all, I know that was really loud and aggressive. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tonight, I am going to tell you about Rasputin. What do you all know about Rasputin?
1: He had a little white bat with big ears that had a fun accent and sang, and it made me happy. I'll give him a ha and a (sighs) hi yeah, and I'll kick him, sir. In the dark of
0: the Um, night,
1: evil will find you.
2: Most of what I know about Rasputin comes from the Probably incredibly, a hundred percent historically accurate, Boney M song, Rasputin.
0: Oh yes, I I found that <laughs> uh, in the course of my of my research. I didn't listen to it all the way though, so I actually don't know how historically. I'm going to listen to it. haven't listened to you it? Know. Not all the way. It was just like I know oh, the chorus. The banger. No. Oh. <laughs> all right. I wish that we had the ability to steal. Okay, Kayla, when you do the social media. You find that song and you put it in the back of the story when I talk about Rasputin. As
1: long as it is Mm -hmm. on there, yes, I absolutely will. And if I can't find that, then I will play the song from Anastasia. In the dark (laughs) of the night, evil will find you both.
2: Yeah, so I know know, know, just the vaguest outline of who Rasputin is, but Uh I don't know too many of the details, so I'm so excited to learn about it.
0: And this one is pretty long, y'all. And the, I spent like 7 hours writing these notes.
2: Thank you. Yay. Yeah. The only yeah,
1: I'm really excited. The only other thing I know about Rasputin is from is the tiny little bit that is said in that episode of Buffy in season 5. Where the where that See, jerk I, that jerk of a professor is trying to talk to her about how she can't go off on all these fanciful things just because she dared question what happened to Rasputin. And I I saw somewhere that it was
0: referenced in a different place in Buffy about him being some kind of a demon, but I do not remember that.
2: Yeah, I don't remember that either. I don't remember that yeah. one.
1: I just remember the 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 professor being a jerk face one.
0: Okay. Okay. Well well let me let me tell you a little bit about Rasputin. Or a decent amount about Rasputin. <laughs> So first of all, I just want to say this topic came up in a couple of ways. One, it's been on my dibs list for over a year. Two, Cara requested that we cover it. And I was like, yes, it's on my dibs list. <laughs> I should finally do that. It's been over a year. And then three, for some reason, my TikTok has been flooded with videos about how in the dark of the night, how that was such a banger from the you know 1997 musical cult classic Anastasia starring Meg Ryan, and why am I blanking on his name? I don't Who know. Please Dimitri.
1: John Cusack. Oh, yeah. I just uh-huh. know Christopher uh-huh. Lloyd voices Rasputin, I believe.
2: Uh-huh. He does. He does. So, I requested Rasputin, Brittany, because like, I know you like the witchy stuff.
1: Yeah,
0: I do.
2: And Rasputin is a fascinating figure to me, because patriarchy patriarchy has this thing where women are witches and bitches uh-huh. and men are healers and heroes and what i mean by that is you know if you look at the historical record typically you have all the like powerful men are allowed to be court sorcerers and faith healers like rasputin uh powerful women are called witches and burnt at the stake right it's like you've got guys like john d and rasputin who like could wield this influence at court and perform, like, magic or faith healing or whatever. And nobody looks askance at that. I mean, I mean, I know what happens to Rasputin. But, like, he had power and prestige. But if a woman does that stuff, suddenly it's messed up.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, now I'm really upset because I didn't even think about that point of view. And, yeah, also Rasputin, he just, he got what was coming to
3: him. Right. Okay? So I,
2: I, I'm just so fascinated by these examples of famous men that if, you know, if they were women, we'd call them witches, and I don't think they would accrue as much power in their lifetimes as they did. No, they and wouldn't. it's interesting how, you know, we, we've treated the, these examples of men differently. And so I, I wanted to learn more about kind of like, you know, what propelled Rasputin to power and fame, both in his own time and nowadays kind of as this cult figure that we know from history.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. And I'm still mad about the realization that yeah of course women would be witches and burn at the stake he was considered to be a a a mystic and he was like ended up being the advisor to the Romanovs well the first time I had ever heard about Rasputin was in fact during the 1997 masterpiece Anastasia and I actually went through a bit of uh Anastasia like rabbit hole because I was like oh my god I want to learn all about her it's really just more sad than interesting so there's no magic there's no fun there's no oh she probably got away she probably didn't and it's just really sad but I never really looked into Rasputin I knew that he was a sorcerer and that he was the royal advisor to the Romanovs and that he got very very angry at Tsar Nicholas when he was exiled uh, when he was exiled for treason (laughs) Uh, and then he, <laughs> start not strong. Uh, so then he vowed to destroy the entire Romanov family. Um, this is part of the movie. That is the beginning of it. He ends up selling his soul for like an unholy reliquary. If you haven't watched Anastasia in a while, here's your her little brief description because it's a really good movie. Um, and that gave him the power to eliminate everyone and also cause the Russian Revolution. Um this is maybe why I'm not great at historical facts because I took a lot of my thoughts on Rasputin from the movie Anastasia <laughs> and it has a
2: lot of magic in it. But that this is not a historical podcast. This is a paranormal podcast and
0: Unless you, know. you talk to my sister and then apparently <laughs> I, she forgets that it's not a historical podcast but, because I go into the history so much.
2: But what <laughs> Sorry, Andrea. but what we have said about Rasputin culturally is admissible in this discussion, right? Because it influences how we think of Rasputin today.
0: Yes. I agree. So in the story of Anastasia, the movie, um, before he can get the last two members of the Romanov family, Anastasia and her grandmama, he falls into the ice and drown, which is actually very similar to what happens to him in real life. Um, The rest of it, not at all what happens in his life. 10 years later, he, his faithful bat, Bartok, realized that Anastasia is alive. The holy reliquary just like drags Bartok down to limbo, the place where Rasputin is stuck um, because he didn't kill all the Romanovs. Q, in the dark of the night song
1: In the dark of the night, I- evil will find you. Whoa. I don't actually know the rest of the words. That's the only part I, I know, <laughs> but it, I remember it being a straight banger. It is a straight banger. So
0: there's a bunch of back and forth with the, uh, Rasputin's minions. He and Anastasia come face to face. She's all like, das for And she steps on that unholy reliquary and he gets sent to, I think, hell. I don't really know where he goes, but he goes away. Um, definitely watch the movie if you haven't. You are missing out. Family, so that was my family first movie glimpse. night. Family movie night. Family for movie for sure. night. It's on Disney Plus now. She's not officially a Disney princess, but it has has now been purchased It's it's not a
2: Disney movie, so she can't be a Disney princess.
0: But Disney bought it. Yes. And now she could be...
2: (laughs) I suppose that's true. Buffy could be a Disney princess. (gasps) She is a Disney princess.
0: (laughs) Anyway, so that was my very first glance of being Rasputin. And now I'm going to tell you about the real Rasputin. Um... And I am so sorry, because I'm going to attempt to speak Russian. This is going to go great. any of you listeners, you know. Luckily, I can say the name Rasputin, which is, like, the most important one. Okay, so, Grigory Rasputin was born in January of 1869 in Pokrovsky, which is near Tyumen Siberia in the Russian Empire, and he was born as Gregory Yefim Mavik Novak. You're doing Oops. great. You're doing great. Thanks. Thanks. I know. So he was born into a very poor family. He was a quote unquote peasant, if you will. And um, he was born to Yefim, which is where part of his mill name came from. And he was a farmer and a church elder and his mother, Anna. I love Anna. I can say Anna. And he was one of either eight or nine children, depending on your sources, but he was the only one of his siblings to survive adulthood. All of his other siblings, with the exception of possibly that other child, all died in either infancy or early childhood. So, right off the bat, he's doing all right, he's surviving. Um, and not much is known about his early life. He was just, you know, trying to survive in 1800 Siberia. It was cold. There wasn't a lot of other people. He did attend school, though, remained famously illiterate. <laughs> Every source wanted to talk about his illiteracy, and given the family's economic status, that's not. It's it's not likely that it would have been a constant part of his life anyway. To have like a formal education. What historians can ascertain from local records at the time is that Grigori was a bit of a bad boy. He was a hooligan. And there is evidence to believe that he had little respect for authority figures, got in trouble with drinking, and may have even committed some small thefts. Just petty ones. Just petty thefts. But, you know, they kind of let him go. He was like, screw you, coppers. And they were like, ah, Grigori. And it was around this time that he earned the surname of Rasputin, which is Russian for debauched one, or a person who exercises great but insidious influence. (laughs) He did actually officially get it legally changed later on in his life.
2: So he, like, reclaimed it. He's like, all right, you're going to call me this? Then that's what I'm going to be.
1: Yeah, I'm Rasputin. You're gonna say I I'm debauched. Indeed. I am debauched.
2: Yeah, it's like i do one have of the insidious
0: influence.
2: It's like one of the early like mononyms, right? Like he wasn't Grigori, He's just like I'm Rasputin, right? Like everybody
0: exactly. knows my name. Madonna. <laughs> I don't need a first name. I'm Rasputin.
1: Ah uh, yes, the key the key uh, one named icons. Madonna Cher Rasputin. Prince. <laughs> prince.
0: Add prince, and then you got the list. <laughs> <laughs> so when Grigory was around like 17 or 18, he met a woman named Praskovia Dubrovia. Yeah. And after several months of courtship, the two got married in February of 1887. Eventually, the couple would have a total of seven children, though, sad, sad times, only three would actually survive into adulthood. And although his wife would remain faithful to her husband until his death in 1916, she remained in Pokrovsky, his hometown. She remained in his hometown uh, throughout their marriage. Well, Grigori would not.
2: Do either of those things. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. In 1897, Grigori Rasputin left his wife and children to go on a pilgrimage. Some sources say that Oh, is he that um, what he called it? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go on a
2: pilgrimage. Bye, honey. I'm going on a pilgrimage. I'll be home late.
0: I'll be home in seven years. <laughs> it's okay. Don't wait up. Now, some sources say that he had to leave his family. Allegedly, a horse was stolen, and he had to run away to escape punishment. Others say that he had developed this Like renewed interest in religion. And he just got that religious itch. And he's like, I'm going to go out and find God or
2: something. Well, so, you know, at that time, right, like Russia was so stratified class wise and, you know, far flung. These villages in Siberia and stuff were so isolated joining up with the clergy was like one of the few ways to escape the village right like it's not it's not like you could be like I'm going to go study at school because he's illiterate so it's like right if he wants to get out of there and not be a like a farmer and a laborer and stuff he's got to like have a vocation and you know clergy is one of the easiest ones for basically anybody as long as you're devout enough you can join up
0: or
1: fake devout devout yeah. enough
0: good enough actor you can join the clergy whatever the reason for why he left his hometown uh, he was on the move now he had done some shorter religious some shorter religious pilgrimages before settling down and during his travels in 1897 he discovered the clists clists I'm sorry the it's really the st- <laughs> clists it's like wrists <laughs> it's k h l y s t s clists <laughs> All right, and that particular sect uh, was an underground spinoff of the Russian Orthodox Church, and um, they're mostly well known for the belief that quote, only by committing sins and repenting that one could get close to God. so How essentially convenient. I know essentially, you could only find happiness through god's forgive forgiveness. so you basically had to commit all these sins and then you would repent, and then God's like, I do
2: love you, it's true. God made me do it, everybody.
0: I had to do I had do to this. get into heaven. How am I supposed to get into heaven if I don't sin a bunch? What a per- Obviously.
1: What a perfect place for the debauched one to end up. Right?
2: A man so, made up this cult.
0: <laughs> it was a man that made up this cult. This is of course no, it was.
1: This is no cult based on a book on aliens. This is way worse than that.
0: (laughs) Ours will be better. Ours will be be so much better. Um, I do like this little part, though, except for the very little clothing. So (laughs) their practices would include singing or chanting in very little clothing, which would then lead into wild dancing and almost like speaking in tongues. And then they would basically do this until they collapsed with exhaustion. And then their body would be open for the spirit to come into it.
2: It's always the religious people who have the wildest parties.
0: I know. And then they also, also practice self flagellation. Ugh. Because. Not into it.
1: Not into it.
0: Me neither. Not, Not me my, my jam.
1: Neither. No. Uh uh-uh. uh. Count me out of the weird god sex flagellation orgy, please. I didn't even get to the orgies yet. Think, that was just singing that, and dancing. But. No, um, I thought I that will say when you though. said when you said they were like laid down and then like open for God to enter the, that's where I that's that's where the orgy. Oh.
0: No, no, no. They got they got so exhausted from dancing wildly and speaking in tongues that they just sort of, like ugh and then collapsed on the ground in exhaustion and then um then the Holy Spirit can, because they're no longer fighting the Holy Spirit, because they're too tired from all their dancing. However, Rasputin was like, "I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down," and he was like, "I'm really vibing on this whole. If you want to truly, like, exhaust yourself, you can, you know, see God or whatever." And then they came up with a concept of orgies. You just were a little <laughs> bit ahead of me. I'm just ahead of the time. It's you're just ahead of the times. You just went straight to orgies. It's that smut I said, book dancing. You're like,
1: mm, it's that smut book convention I, I went orgies. to. My whole that's just where my brain goes all the time, apparently. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Rasputin is out there, and he's just wandering around Russia. He's drinking. He's having sex with everyone. He's getting closer to God. He's having a jolly good time, and because he's having so much sex, and he is so close to God because of it, he's like, just call me a holy man. I'm so close to God. Uh, and this also earned him the nickname, the mad monk. Because he, like, fancied himself a monk. He fancied himself a holy man. But, like, he was doing it by having a bunch of orgies and drinking I, a lot. I'm going to put
1: something in your head here. And you may hate okay. it. Okay. But, like, do you think that when he was having sex with people, they said, oh, my God, oh, my God, <laughs> oh, my God, a lot? I can only imagine that that's where that practice came from. All right. Just just throwing it out there. All right. We're going to let it go. We're moving on because that's an uncomfortable thought. Because also in my head, Rasputin looks like the like Anastasia version. And that's just not something I want to visualize. It's just
3: not. It's just not. Oh, oh, Kayla, have you, you just not seen wait.
2: photos of him, Kayla? He's like a scary looking
0: dude. He is. He is very. That is a he, very accurate cartoon depiction.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: While uh, y'all are. And you know, big, big bushy beard, like just lots of hair everywhere, and you know, I'm Ace. Never really gotten into like bodies and stuff, but like, I imagine that's not a good time <laughs> if you're his partner. <laughs> you know, I imagine there's just like a lot of like bristly <laughs> things rubbing and stuff.
0: It sounds Oh, don't worry, Carl. Oh. It gets worse. I, and they're
2: probably not very hygienic at that point, right? So, like there's probably a oh. shooting, like, things so, in the beers. Don't you, worry, it gets worse. While
1: you were talking, I looked up his picture. Nobody wants that. Sorry, mad monk. Oh. Nobody wants that. Kayla, it gets Kayla,
2: worse. Kayla, Brittany's about to tell you that you are demonstrably <laughs> wrong in that statement, because a lot of people want it. Exactly <laughs>
0: Okay. All no right. don't understand, All right. but it's true. <laughs> also, I do just want to say, as a note of historical accuracy, apparently there is no definitive proof that he was an official member of the the Klists. <laughs> but oh, so it does sound like
2: about him. They're like, okay.
3: Yeah.
0: No. <laughs> you you were never welcome here, sir. Sir um but he definitely was influenced by their practices and he spent a lot of time with them i think that they just really yeah they were like mm you're not one or of or
2: he really never joined but he's he like he was such a wannabe that he's like ah you know like i want to be a member but i feel like if that were the case they would have like then claimed him afterwards so i don't know
0: i th- i think that he just really wanted to take on the mantle of like you all have to have sex with me and then you'll see god
2: This is another reason that I wanted to hear you cover Rasputin. It's just like he was like one of Russia's first like big celebrities in my mind. I I don't know a ton about Russian history, right? But like, you know, everybody, once he came to prominence at court, like everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew who he was. We all know who he was, right? Like I can name like Catherine the Great, Peter the Great and Rasputin as, you know, and then Tsar Nicholas like. I can't name any other historical figures in Russia before then, so
0: Me neither. Um, yeah, so personally, I'm not into the orgy scene. I just
3: Same <laughs> Same. <laughs> it's
0: just it's just not my thing. But I will definitely raise an eyebrow at the fact that Rasputin was out there getting it everywhere he went. Because he was this holy man, and apparently, though he was disgusting, absolutely disgusting. First of all, he wasn't great with the eating utensils, like a knife, fork, or spoon. Oh yeah,
3: that beard <laughs> okay. is not going to be clean. <laughs>
0: yeah, but like, given his his like peasantry status, like it totally makes sense. That's not something that at that point in time had like really become commonplace among the the peasants. But in addition to not being able to, like, get the hang of them, he also did things like, quote, lick spoons before serving others and was known to often, like, more often than not, have portions of food in his beard. Just, like, rotting in there. Called it. Yeah. Snacks for later. He he rarely washed himself in any capacity. And even by 1880s and 1890s standards, he, like, smelled really bad. (laughs) He was known for just being so smelly. But this stinky holy man allegedly had all of these unnatural powers that allowed him to heal the sick and predict the future. And despite his lack of hygiene and also the fact that he was really rude, like, he had terrible manners he somehow gained this reputation of being this super powerful mystic man. And when his wanderings brought him to St. Petersburg in 1903, he was welcomed with open arms. People had heard about him. They're like, oh, I've heard of you. Come hang out with me. Heal me. Tell me my future. Here's a spoon to lick. (laughs) Here's a spoon to lick. No, 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 that's okay. You can keep that one. I have my own. (laughs) According to Britannic,
2: it's for How do you quick hide the good silverware? Hide the good silverware. Bring out the sporks. We only allow him to have sporks. You, you've you've got the one set for all your other guests, and then when Resputins coming to dinner, you have the Resputin set.
0: He's yes, like no. We don't need your help serving. That's so kind. You're a guest, resputin. <laughs> you don't need to help us with that. Please don't lick my spoon. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, According to Britannica.com, quote, the court circles of St. Petersburg at that time were entertaining themselves by delving into mysticism and the occult. So Rasputin, a filthy, unkept wanderer with brilliant eyes and allegedly extraordinary healing talents, he was warmly welcomed, unquote. Within two years of hanging out in St. Petersburg, he was in with the in
2: crowd. Mediocre white man, eh? Like... Yes,
0: yes, that to have is the, the in confidence
2: crowd. of an unkempt spoon licking white guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if, if only, that is the dream is to have the confidence of an unkempt spoon licking white man.
1: So basically, these this in crowd made uh-huh. Rasputin like the like like the cat uh, from Mean Girls. Like, 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 like the they cat. were the Regina George the and the Gretchen Wieners and everything. And then they accepted him in like, oh, like, yeah. like he was cat in Mean Girls. Do
2: you mean Katie?
0: Katie. I know. I was like, I don't know what cat is. I was like, there's, I don't even remember seeing a cat. In do they movie. say
1: cat at some point? It's been a very no. long time since I've watched it. It's. do watch it's it again. Katie,
0: it's Katie. But she's KD. Like, and then that's, that's like the thing that I remember is because uh, she kept correcting him. Kept I, calling
2: her Caddy. Maybe that's yeah. what you heard.
0: Oh,
1: okay.
3: Oh, yep. Caddy. Because yep.
1: the only name yep. I ever Actually, distinctly remember other than Regina George is uh, Gretchen Wieners because there's the, uh, and none for Gretchen Wieners, bye, part, so.
2: <laughs> you go, Glen Coco.
1: You go, Glen Coco.
0: <sighs> I always think of,
1: there's an 83%
0: chance that it might be raining. <laughs>
2: Okay, so I'm coming I to Duluth that- and we're going to watch Me and Girls.
0: <laughs> there you go. Yes.
2: <laughs> All right. So, so, um, so
0: he was in with the in crowd. Yes. He made it. He gets to hang out with Regina George. He knows about the Wednesday rule. In 1905, he was then introduced to the royal family. And thus is the beginning of the end for the royal family. Um, He had originally just been acquaintances with the Tsar's extended family, but on November 1st, 1905, Rasputin met both Nicholas as well as Alexandra themselves. By 1908, Rasputin had convinced the royal family that he was a great and powerful man, and he was eventually summoned by Alexandra to heal her son, um, Alexei. So that was the youngest child and the only son of the Tsar and Tsarina, and he was also um, born with hemophilia, which is, for those of you who don't know, it is a blood disorder in which the blood does not clot properly. So if you have like a, he basically he would get hurt and then it was like he was going to bleed to death. I am stealing this video of you acting out hemophilia <laughs> and putting it on social media. <laughs> so yeah.
2: Because uh, that was perfect. You can, you can thank Queen Victoria for the hemophilia. Um because yeah so so the the czar and the, the czar was um, related to queen victoria um, because all the european royalty yeah, would, were related, all related to each other <laughs> um, and so queen victoria was a carrier of hemophilia hemophilia is kind of like some forms of colorblindness it's a sex-linked mm-hmm. uh, recessive gene on the x chromosome so it manifests more often in uh, people with XY chromosomes, um, and and so yeah, Alexei and a lot of other p- members of European nobility who were related to Queen Victoria ended up hemophiliacs. It was actually known as like the royal disease almost.
0: Yes, I knew that actually. I did not. That's I'm glad just... you're here to like describe it more in detail. I was like, ah, eh, it's a blood disease. You doesn't clot, and you're like, no. I didn't, Let me talk about the historical context
1: about hemophilia. I did not know that. And that's just like, that's so terrible. That just. I, Honest, honestly, it's
0: surprising that our current, like, you know, the, the boys, Harry and William, that they ended up being so handsome because my goodness, were the Royals full of all sorts of body issues back in the day? All the inbreeding. I know. i you up. <laughs> just staring at me. All right. So well, I just I don't know if they're handsome or not. So oh, they're okay. I mean, if you've ever seen a picture of my husband, he looks nothing like them. But
3: um, <laughs> <Steve's> <laughs> wait, 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 good.
2: wait, wait. What are you saying about your husband now?
0: That he's amazing. Okay. He just that's I'm not that into the royal family because they don't look anything like my husband. Right. All right. So that was it. Like they brought him in because of their son's blood disorder. And uh, apparently he succeeded in easing the boy's suffering. And then when he left the palace, he warned the parents that the destiny of both the child as well as the dynasty was irrevocably linked to him thereby setting in motion a decade of Rasputin's powerful influence on the imperial family and the state of affairs. So basically, he's like, I will heal your child. I did it. Look, I did it. Now, if you ever cross me, you will die. Jesus. He what he said. Yeah, I mean, i I'm mean, just if saying,
2: you said, said that to me to Brittany, the way you were <laughs> looking into the camera just now, I would be afraid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was it. He was just in with the royal family after that. They're like, okay, treat Rasputin great. We'll have a great time. We'll all be healed from all of our illnesses. Although today it's actually assumed that much of his healing powers were not magic. (laughs) Go figure. Instead, it was really probably most likely just his ability to calm people with a kind of hypnosis. But he has, through that hypnosis process, he has cemented himself as the mystic holy man of the Russian Empire. Also, per collector.com, hypnosis was ac- apparently actually pretty common among Orthodox priests. Oh. And I guess that's how they convinced people that they were talking to God or something. And Rasputin used this holy trick of the trade to do more than just bolster his reputation with the royals. Despite being disgusting, he would often use his abilities to impress the noble women. In fact, there is even a rumor that he had an affair with the Empress Alexandra herself. Food covered beard and all. Uh, (laughs) No, whether or not he actually had this affair is still like, it's up for debate. They can't find any proof of it, but they can't find any proof it didn't happen.
1: (laughs) And that's our our podcast bread and butter. Can't prove it, but we can't prove it's (laughs)
0: not. And, but what was certain was Rasputin's influence on the Zarina, um, because she basically just blindly implemented his advice, especially when her husband left the country uh, during World War One in 1916. I was like, which war? What, what time? Year? But Alexandra was not the only one to be bamboozled by this man. He was so popular with so many of the women in the upper class in St. Petersburg that he made many an enemy of the menfolk. And I'm just going to say, it must be his mad orgy skills because he was gross. He was gross and he's rude. (laughs) But luckily he knew how to hypnotize people and he had these, I'm assuming, mad orgy skills. You can only do that for so many decades without finding some sort of talent.
2: Please, I... I I say this as the expert here. Um, Clearly, he had a haunted dick.
3: We
0: are solving so many freaking mysteries tonight.
2: Uh, For people who don't listen to Prophecy Girls, that was an in-joke, Prophecy Girls in-joke from our season four episode covering where the wild things are, um, where that's, you know, our explanation for Riley having sex with Poppy the entire episode. Um, but haunted isn't dick. that what's going on here? Like, clearly he yeah. has some kind of magical dick. That,
0: that is the only explanation because it certainly wasn't for his hygiene oh or his personality.
1: <laughs> he's a gross, rude, spoon-licking man with a haunted dick. Goddamn.
0: <laughs> That's what he's forever known as now.
1: It's also how you could describe Riley.
2: <clears throat> Riley didn't have the beard though so yeah, I, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna put this out there Riley was a step up from resources.
1: absolutely yes absolutely I'd agree I concur
2: one
0: because that's not hard <laughs> to not buy much he was cl- cleaner he probably smelled pretty okay <laughs> but that's it
2: <laughs> well he did a lot of like working out and like running and he was sweaty a lot right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm.
0: so He was really important to Alexandra, and he maintained the air of a humble and holy peasant (laughs) around the royals. But once he got out of court, he returned back to being the scoundrel that he was. He was pretty much never sober, and he preached that physical contact with his own person had a purifying and healing effect, which apparently, again, worked. He's like, have sex with me. You will be healed. You will be purified. (laughs) I am so clean. <laughs> and and the women were just falling all over him. They are like, what? Okay. Eventually, though, there were some very annoyed men from the court who went to Nicholas to tell him what Rasputin was like in the real world. And the czar just wouldn't believe it. He was like, those, no. He's my friend. He's fin- fantastic. And those dudes who had told on Rasputin ended up finding themselves transferred to very remote regions of the empire. Way farther away in Siberia than anything else.
2: Yeah, this sounds like a real stable government. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or they were just straight up removed from their positions entirely. They're like, oh, you're saying spat things about my friend? That wasn't smart. <laughs> and Rasputin was not just a friend to like Alexander and Nicholas. He was also apparently friends with the children. Uh-huh. Uh, the four grand duchesses were quite taken by him. When he was away, he actually act- he actually sometimes went home to visit his wife and children, his own children. Uh, not a lot. But when he was away, he would send messages to the, the young Romanovs. Um, one of them said, My dear Pearl M. And this was a telegraph that was to the 9-year-old Maria in 1908. Tell me how you talked with the sea, with nature. I miss your simple soul. We will see each other again soon. A big kiss. Nope.
1: Nope.
0: Nope. Nope. And when in the palace, he would visit them before bed which caused a bit of a scandal with their governess, who thought that it was extremely inappropriate to have him in the nursery when the girls were in their nightgowns. And at first, Nicholas was like, hey, Rasputin, I think it's causing a bit of a stir being in the nursery before, bud, so maybe let's not. But then the governess went to the other family members and was like, this dude is sus. Like, he keeps doing it. Nicholas said don't. He's doing it anyway. And eventually, Alexander's sister, the Grand Duchess... I'm going to say it's Xena. Yeah, Grand Duchess Xena was totally on her side, and she wrote letters to the other family members saying things like, the attitude of Alec and the children to that sinister Grigory, whom they consider to be almost a saint when in fact he is only a clist. He's always there going into the nursery, uh, visits Olga and Tatiana while they're getting ready for bed, and sits there talking to them and caressing them. They are careful to hide him from Sophia Ivanova, which is the name of the governess, and the children don't dare talk to her about him. It's all quite unbelievable and beyond understanding. "Unquote."
1: I feel like the listeners are really missing out on seeing mine and Kara's faces as this whole part of the story is being told, because
2: I'm just getting deeply uncomfortable.
1: No,
0: it's okay. So. Nicholas's sister is like, this is super, not cool. These are my nieces. Ew. So yeah,
2: like I don't even want to joke about yeah any of this right. No. Like I'm happy to joke about him sleeping around. Not but about like, no,
3: not oh, with kids, not the children. No. Mm-mm.
0: So then Alexandra fired the governess that was telling the family members that weird things were happening. So and problem this solved. Is
2: typical when you're dealing with like. A trusted like member of the family or the extended family, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, abusing that trust to abuse and molest somebody like a child. Yeah. Where it's like, you know, the person who reports it gets gaslit and in some cases like exiled or fired if they're an employee because no, that you know this person's so trustworthy, you know they couldn't possibly.
0: Yep. He's a holy man, don't you know? In 1911, his behavior had gotten. Real bad. Like, bad, bad. Like, publicly with uh, seducing all the women with his leftover beard snacks. And then this thing with the children. (laughs) Kayla's like, I think I might throw up face. (laughs) Gets me every time. (laughs) So it got really bad. And the prime minister basically pulled Nicholas aside and was like, sir, your highness, we got to talk about this mad monk guy. Like, it is... It's not great. And finally, he really heard someone say, Rasputin's inappropriate. No one likes him. He's gross. He smells. And he's super weird with your children and your wife. Like, maybe he should go away. And so Nicholas actually had him exiled, which is like, good for you, dad. Mm -hmm. You protect your kiddos. But within a couple of months, Alexandra had to have him right by her side again. And this is where the rumors of the supposed affair between the Mad Monk and the czarina really started to run wild, as well as accusations that he was having an affair with her two teenage daughters. And to add to the scandal of it, Rasputin started to be accused of religious heresy, gee, you think, as well as rape. And... Folks really started to wonder what kind of hold this guy had over the royal family. Like, there's clearly nothing good about this man. When World War I started a bruin, Rasputin, loud and proud, told Nicholas that Russia's entry into the war would be disastrous for the country, as well as have a cataclysmic consequence for the monarchy.
2: Well, he wasn't wrong. L- yep. I- yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. And when his warnings were not heeded, Rasputin asked if he could at least go and bless the troops. But the great Duke Nicholas Nikolvik, who was the, yeah, I don't know, who was the Tsar's first cousin once removed. Well, apparently this Nicholas was known as, um, so they have the same name. So apparently this Nicholas was known as Nicholas the Tall and the Tsar was known as Nicholas the Short.
2: There's only so many names, <laughs> right? Where you're always naming everybody after your yourself, yourself or your elderly, mother or your yeah. father, right? Like Nicholas and Gregory and Peter and like Paul. And, I
1: like John. Yeah. I like that they yeah. kind of have yeah. gone with like a middle initial or like a first, second, third, whatever. It's like, no, Nicholas the Tall and Nicholas the Short because we like to create kind of the opposite of
2: the problem we have these days where it's like... Now, there's just so many names, right? It's like, I don't even... You tell me you named your kid something, and I'm like, I don't even think you're joking now. I just think (laughs) you made up a new name. Whereas, like, back then, it's like, we have to, like, come up with these different descriptions for people.
0: This one's tall. This one's shorter than that one. We'll call him short. Now he's the Tsar of Russia.
2: And that's Rasputin. (laughs)
0: So, yeah, that's how people would folks to distinguish between these two first cousins once removed. Anyway, so Nicholas the Tall was like, when Rasputin was like, okay, if you insist on going to war, like, I want to come bless the troops. But Nicholas the Tall was like, no, and he was in charge of the army at the time, and he was like, no way in hell. If he gets anywhere near me, I'm going to hang him. And the Tsar Nicholas the Short was like, shoulder shrug, sorry bud, you can't go bless the troops. Then, on the 12th of July, uh, 1914, there was an attempt on Rasputin's life. Good. The first one. People love to try and kill this guy. So this is the first time that someone tried to assassinate him. So Rasputin was back in his hometown, I'm not even going to try and say it, when a 33-year-old peasant woman named Ch- Chinoya... Gusova? Sure. She attempted to assassinate Rasputin by stabbing him in the stomach outside of his home. Apparently, she was a follower of the former priest Illador, who was actually originally a follower of Rasputin until he realized how much sex he was having and how full of himself he was.
3: Is essentially
0: why. He's like, no, I don't want to follow you anymore. You're not holy at all. You're
2: just gross. This is... Priest on priest violence now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, he's Rasputin's a monk. The mad monk. But What's the difference? I don't know, man. In D&D? I mean, none of a them lot. are really. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, they're different character classes. Gotcha.
0: So, uh, dude, this fucking guy. I- Ilador, This fucking guy. So he was described as a radical conservative and anti-Semite. He was part of a group of established figures who had attempted to drive a wedge between the royal family and Rasputin in 1911. They failed. Illidor was defrocked, which I didn't know that that was a word, but I adore it. He, had, he was like no longer a priest, therefore he was defrocked. It,
2: it's like the priest version of being disbarred if you're a lawyer.
0: I love it. I'm just going to insult people by saying they should be defrocked. And then Ilya Ili-
2: sort of fell. Go over the way you think it will.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Please don't walk around telling people to do that. <laughs> <laughs> or do, but I want to be there for it.
0: Only if someone is recording their reaction. So, Ilidor was defrocked, and then he was banished from St. Petersburg. So he was really mad at Rasputin. He's like, you ruined my life, you man who has sex, and what else did he do? Uh, he was full of himself. Yeah. So this woman, he ha- she had attempted to kill Rasputin, and she claimed that she was acting alone, um, having read in the newspaper, and thinking that he was a false prophet, and possibly the Antichrist.
1: Yes, That's all logic is sound. I'm here for it.
0: Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. But it was pretty clear that it was Illador who had really instigated the whole thing. So he ended up fleeing the country and the would-be assassin. Rasputin was seriously injured, and although for a time it was not clear if he would survive, he had surgery, bada-bing, bada-boom, he recovered. He went on to haunt the lives of more people. So anyway, this woman was then found... Not responsible for her actions by reasons of insanity. And that was Rasputin's first assassin attempt. Comments, questions? No? Cool. <laughs> Sometimes I go off the rails. <laughs> I
2: think you're doing a remarkable job. Oh, thank you. I'm glad. Here. You're
1: doing
0: great. Uh,
2: I'm, I can't. I, I, again, I don't know all the details. I just I know it gets wilder from here. So <laughs> <laughs> carry on. I am fully
1: intrigued.
0: All right. Meanwhile, World War One started and Rasputin had guessed correctly about things not going well for Russia. And this is where the czar left to go to the front lines while Rasputin ended up being in charge of the decision making back home. And his influence ranged from the appointments of the church officials to the selection of cabinet ministers. And he occasionally intervened in military's matters on, on Russia's behalf. So the actual czar went away. His lovely Alexandra was like, Oh, raspy, you can take over all the decision making.
1: <laughs> oh, raspy.
0: People did not like this. And in December of 1916, a group of nobles got together and plotted Rasputin's death. Again. They're plotting his death, and it sounds like Rasputin was catching some vibes about his impending doom. So he actually, yeah, he just, he knew people were not a fan of him. And so he actually wrote to Tsar Nicholas on the front line that same December. And he said, quote, I feel that I shall leave life before January 1st. If it was your relations who have wrought my death, then none of your children will remain alive for more than two years. Unquote.
1: So he cursed them. Yeah. Yeah. Like going back kind of to what Kara was talking about much earlier, like this is all stuff that in, like, if this was a woman it would have been like, you're a witch burn her but he just got away with it Cause he's a dude. Yep, and
0: he said that directly to the czar of Russia, like he's he's the head honcho guy, and he's like, "I'm pretty sure I'm gonna die soon, but if it's any of your folk,
2: oh, you're gonna be cursed." So, was the czar at any point like that kid from The Simpsons, mean on the back of the bus, being like,
0: "I'm in trouble, I'm in <laughs> danger, I'm in danger." Um, I don't know. So a lot of it, like, he, he, people just kept coming up to him and saying, I don't think this Rasputin guy is a good idea. And he's like, ugh, but my wife thinks he's so fabulous. And I just don't want to make her mad. And so, yeah. Yeah. But apparently people had their own issues with Alexandra. I guess she was a total introvert. And people thought she was weird. So, maybe...
2: I feel for her. I
0: know. Yeah, she did not get along.
2: Resfusion probably just made her feel special.
0: That's what I'm saying. He's like, I'm listening, Alexandra. Tell me your thoughts. I know you don't want my opinion. You just want to vent. That's all it took.
1: He just got a lot of charisma.
0: So, he was very charismatic. Uh, So, it's the 29th of December, 1916. And a nobleman by the name of Prince Felix... (laughs) Yusufab <laughs> not at all how it's spelled <laughs> Prince Felix he lured Rasputin to his own palace and there he and his friends and co-conspirators the Grand Duke Dmitri Pavlov, and Deputy Vladimir Pershvek. <laughs> yeah so the three of them Prince Felix, Dmitri, and Vladimir. They decided that they would feed the monk cyanide-laced cakes and drinks. Cuz they're like, let's just kill him. Like, fuck this guy. We'll just kill him. And at first, Rasputin didn't want to eat the cakes. He was suspicious that there was something fishy going on because this this Felix guy didn't like him. And he and he knew that. So he's like, I'm not going to eat your cakes. I think I think you're trying to kill me. Eventually, though, he did eat the cakes. Um, and he thought that they were phenomenal. And then he asked for some wine, which had also been poison. And he drank three glasses. But Rasputin did not die. In fact, he consumed an absurd amount of poison because he just kept eating these cyanide-laced <laughs>
2: cakes. I'm trying to imagine and drinking what these other the... guys at the table are yeah, like, I don't know what to do now. So, Like, were they, like, worried about giving away the plot? Yeah. Where it's like, do I say something? Like, I don't want to give it away, but this is weird. Like, are they making eye contact? Be like, this is weird, right?
0: They are. Because in a panic, because, like, why is he not dying? He's had so much cyanide. I don't understand. Prince Felix and his co-conspirators excuse themselves from the room. uh, And they came up with this plan that they're like, we're just going to shoot him. So Felix takes Dimitri's gun, he went back downstairs, and he said, better look at that crucifix and say a prayer, and then shot him in the chest.
1: Badass. Like, just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna have a final I've line. i done that before.
0: <laughs> then, the next part of the plan, now that they've shot him, uh, is that they drove to Rasputin's apartment wearing his coat and hat and this was an attempt to make it look as if he had returned home that night so that when this he went missing. so amateur
2: hour. I know.
0: So they thought that they had pro- properly covered their tracks. They're like, oh, we fooled his neighbors. He- they think that he oh, went home. Oh, we're so
3: good at this. What happened? Oh.
0: So Felix went oh back God. home, and when he got there, he went downstairs just to double check to make sure that Rasputin was really dead because he- the cyanide didn't seem to work.
2: This is like straight out of a horror movie. (laughs) I'm just going to go double check that the bad guy is actually (laughs) dead. Oh, he's not dead, is he? He was not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He leaped up and attacked Felix, who after an unusually long struggle with a man who had just been given an absurd amount of cyanide, who had just been shot in the chest like an hour ago, Felix got away, but he had to fight him. And so Felix ran upstairs um and the bloody drunk and covered in food scraps Rasputin was just hot on his trail and yeah <laughs> yeah basically so normal and Rasputin. so he ran out the door Felix did and Rasputin ran after him and then Vladimir was like oh shit he's not dead yet and so he shot him twice and then Rasputin collapsed into a snowbank
1: so 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 this is giving is Kara horror vibes. This? this is giving me that one friend that you have to like sober cab. And like you you keep watching them drink more and more. And you're like, how are you not passed out yet? And then you think that they're finally down and you get them into the car and then you go around to your side. And the next thing you know, they've already dashed out of the car and they're on their way <laughs> to the next location. That's that's the vibes this is giving <laughs>
2: I'm also getting like boss fight in a video game vibes. Because you know how you have to like deplete their health bar like multiple times. A like little time, degraded, but you got to keep doing it. Yep. Degraded, they got to KO and him and kill them again. just finish it. Yeah. So, so, so what I just wonder, like, what did the neighbors <laughs> like Felix's so neighbors? So
0: apparently did they, they had heard on? the gunshots, but Felix went over and was like, no, you didn't. all right so the the next thing really differs depending on the source i'm gonna go with the more dramatic one because it's way more fun so rasputin was poisoned a lot uh shot in the chest left to bleed to death aroused again to fight hand-to-hand combat with someone who was in much better shape physically uh and then was shot two more times is he dead no he is not hot damn So then Felix, Dimitri, and Vlad, they caught up to him, and he's now severely
2: injured. He's been
0: shot three times, and he's chocked full of cyanide. And are these
2: men just really bad shots, though? Like,
0: Well, the first one hit him in the chest. So even well, but
2: do we have proof of that? Or did they just be, was he just like, yeah, I hit him in the I chest. Hit, stall, I don't right, know what right?
1: happened. He, it must
0: be are, magic. I,
2: are we doing stormtrooper rules? Like...
0: <laughs> he was indeed shot three times. I can tell you that much. So they found, they caught up to him because he's, he attempted to run away. Uh, they bound him with a rope and then they threw him in the ice cold waters of the Neva River where he ultimately drowned. Now, they they had to throw him in a hole and I don't know if they had to cut the hole in the ice or if it was a pre-existing hole that was big enough for a, a, like an adult man. It's the murder hole. It's the murder hole. That's where we throw all of our... Holy men!
2: You think these are the only guys getting rid of a dead body that night? Come on.
1: So actually, it's a pretty popular spot. <laughs> well, it's nice because it's
0: so cold that the bodies don't just like break apart right away, and they're not smelly, so it's not like they're gonna be found right away. And be found till springtime.
1: And when it's cold, they'll sink rather than float. It's part of the issue with I'm Lake saying. Superior over here.
0: I'm saying. So this is where it differs. Some of my sources stated that an autopsy confirmed that he, in fact, died by drowning. While others stated that the autopsy said that he was shot to death and the river thing was like, oh, let's just make sure additional part of the plan. So I don't know if he actually died after being shot three times or if they really did need to drown him to make sure that it was official because... Both of them implied that the autopsy was done and that their way is the correct way.
1: So one could argue that the drowning was overkill, except in this instance, I don't know if overkill exists because of the repeated attempts that were not successful. Yeah,
0: because honestly, even if drowning was not required to actually kill him, he ate a bunch of cyanide-filled cakes. He drank a bunch of cyanide-filled wine. He got shot in the chest and then an hour later they came back and he was still alive and alive enough to do hand-to-hand combat with someone who was perfectly healthy. I'm going to go ahead and say that the drowning was, you know, maybe not overkill. Maybe just like a, let's just touch all our bases. News of Rasputin's murder spread quickly, even though his body had not yet been found. And an investigation was...
2: They weren't exactly secret. They
0: were really not... They were causing a lot of commotion. (laughs) Who knows how many people were hanging out by the river and just watched them like dunk you know, an unconscious at it least. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um by the next morning, a full investigation had been launched. Later, two workmen noticed blood on the railing of the Petrovsky Bridge and found a boot on the ice below. Police began searching the area and Rasputin's body was found under the river ice on January first because he would die by January 1st. He knew it. So an autopsy had been conducted, um, but then they lost it, which is why we don't know what happens. It just, it well, we don't know. Um, but the surgeon who conducted it had said that Rasputin's body had shown signs of severe trauma.
2: <laughs> no way, no way. Wow, that's a really good surgeon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was buried the next day. This this all happened very fast. So he was killed. He was found on no the,
2: cover up whatsoever happening. Yeah,
0: he was found on the first. An autopsy had been done and then lost. Um, and then by the second, he had his funeral. The funeral was only attended by uh, members of the imperial family as well as a few of their like more intimate friends, invite only. In fact, Rasputin's wife. His official mistress and children were not even invited. The imperial family had planned to build a church over his gravesite. However, his body was exhumed and burned by a detached like section of soldiers after the Tsar had abdicated the throne in March of 1917. Because the Romanovs were revolution. Nah. Um, And then they were concerned that his grave would be like a rallying point for the supporters of the old regime. So they're like, we're just going to dig him up. We're going to burn him. Now they have no place to rally. So the Russian Revolution began and the Russian Empire fell just as Rasputin had told them would happen. And when he died before the 1st of January and he said that if he was killed by one of Nicholas's, like, friends and family that his children would not live another two years. And they didn't. And that's the story of Rasputin.
2: Brittany, really good job. Thank Thank you you for trying to pronounce all of those Russian names for me. I really appreciate you doing this. Yeah,
0: you know, I almost wanted to, like, share my screen so you could be, like... I don't know where she got that from that, but okay, she added some <laughs> extra vowels.
1: I would I would like to say thank you so much. I love it and I hate it.
0: <laughs> I didn't like the part about the children. Um
1: No, like I loved the story and I I found it very interesting and I learned a lot because I didn't know any of I this. I know, isn't it weird? Before. But I hate him.
0: I know. Like and so when that I want to say Iliad guy, but that's that's a book. um illidor Ilidor, the defrocked one. When he was like, "I'm gonna kill him," I was like, "Yeah." And then I was like, "Oh, you're a radical conservative and anti-Semite, and you're yeah." Awful. I, I was like, I, 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 don't anything anything <laughs> "I don't know who to root for." I don't know who to root for. That
2: was my sentiment. I'm like, "Wait a minute, am I siding with the anti-Semite here?" I don't feel like I'm I I don't race. like his... Both really awful. <laughs> Oh yeah. How about you
0: both? I'm die? glad that you got defrocked. <laughs> um, to use the
2: word defrocked. I do.
0: I love I it. It's tell. my new favorite word.
1: <laughs> uh, and you know, I think Kara is right. If you just go around telling people to get defrocked, you're just gonna see a lot of things you don't want to see.
0: Yeah. All right. I'll save it for <laughs> special situations. I'll wait until I hear some some quote unquote holy people acting not great. Whether it's be some sort of a scandal or if they're just jerks, I'll just yell at them, You
3: should be defrocked,
0: sir. I'll be like, Wow, this, this lady's <laughs> really weird. She's going about this in a very weird way. Anyway, I'm going to do the skeptic scale part. Okay. Because okay. we're going to be more specific with this one. Okay. On a scale of one to five, paranormal. Nope. On a scale of paranormal. <laughs> One being normal, five being para. I said that backwards. I don't normally do this part, Kayla does. Do you think that Rasputin had magical powers?
1: Kara, you wanna go first? Or you want me to? You go. Okay. I think that I was thinking about this as we were getting towards the end of the story, like where I thought this uh-huh. was going. I think I would give it a 2. Okay. Because I don't think that he is magic, but I do think that he maybe possessed like kind of calling back to last week's episode, maybe he possessed some clairvoyant like like I don't know what the word not powers because I don't think it's powers, but like maybe he was more open and he had some clairvoyant like abilities. That's the word I was looking for, abilities.
3: abilities. Okay. There okay. We
1: go. So I'm going to go two because the rest of it just sounds like a really a guy who's really good at schmoozing, yep. like the person who works in a kitchen and like looks like they eat cigarettes, but somehow gets the hottest person in the front of house. Are you talking to about Post them, Malone again? You know? no, but that's also <laughs> a good point.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, I see where you're coming from, Kayla. I think that we all we all, just have to keep in mind things like when it comes to his predictions, it's very much a case of we remember him because his predictions happen to be right. If his predictions had happened to be wrong, we just wouldn't remember him, right? Um, yeah. For every Rasputin, for everybody who has the prophetic predictions, there's, you know, a hundred people who just predicted something and they're wrong and we don't remember them. Yeah. Um, so I think there is that element of bias to, to the historical yeah. record in that sense. And then also just like, you know, he was probably just very politically savvy. Like he, just, he could read the room. I think it was pretty obvious to most people that Nicholas was on the way out if he didn't do something drastic. So, Respublika was just like, "Well, I might as well make some predictions here."
0: Get in uh, with his wife. To me,
2: I mean, the cyanide thing. I'm just like, ah. did he have like a tolerance somehow? Was he like faking eating stuff and just hiding it in his beard? <laughs> um, that part to me is the. That's the most unexplained, that's the most inexplicable part of all this. Um, and then I think the part that makes me think he could be magical is how he got with so many women, despite, you know, what he looked like and what he smelled like. Um, <laughs> like that, that's like the, the real of magic. everything we've heard, that's the part that makes me think maybe <laughs> there's some magic happening here, because what else would explain that?
0: Um, that is a very uh, good point. Like, I didn't even think about that in the consideration of the magic, but that is, in fact... The most magical part of the whole story,
2: right? Like bleh. faith healing. Don't I don't no credence there. Uh, prophecy again. Lots of mundane explanations. Right. Surviving multiple assassination attempts. Eh, maybe he was just really lucky. Maybe he had a tolerance. Like I don't know. Um, but his success with the ladies, like,
1: yeah, ugh. it's unexplainable.
2: Yep. Yep. So, uh, so I I'm gonna go three. Because I think that there's something else happening here. Um, and I agree that it's not like a four or five where it's like, oh, my God, it has to be paranormal. Right. But, like, uh, there's, there's just not enough information for me to really, like, come down on the side of, like, okay, this is just a completely normal ass dude.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, I def- I'm def, i so glad that you brought up the point about the ladies. Because, yes, he must have some sort of magical power in regards like to Like the that.
2: hypnosis thing, right? Yeah, like, but like... Do yeah. we consider hypnosis to be paranormal? I think that I think that's a subjective thing. I
0: just feel like hypnosis think... could not be that powerful to get over well, that, yes. how gross he was. Like it's, it's, it's a suggestion, not a full, I'm going to transform into a whole different not gross person.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time understanding why anybody wants to have sex with anyone. So <laughs> it's really hard for me to wrap my head around like... Why you would want to have sex with Rasputin? You wouldn't. At all. You
1: just wouldn't. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm the opposite. I'm like hyper into that stuff, and I still don't get the Rasputin angle. So Rasputin is just a mystery all the Oh,
0: I'm sorry. Is it me? I was like hyper into like beard food? <laughs> what? Oh, no, I get it. <laughs> Ew. Um,
1: and I. Don't don't kink shame I
0: appreciate your uh, your theory that perhaps he just hid the cakes in his beard. The one thing that I would say to dispute that as like something that's a possibility is not the cake part. But you know he drank that wine. Mm. So, So even if it wasn't, you know, cakes amount of cyanide, he definitely had wine's amount of cyanide. Um, And
2: and I don't know enough about toxicology to know if you can build up a tolerance to cyanide, or maybe there was something in the wine that like counteracted it. I don't know. Hold on.
0: Build up a tolerance.
2: (laughs) I actually think you can. I think you can too. I know you can build up a tolerance to iocane powder because that was in the Princess Bride, which was a really good documentary.
0: Because cyanide bypasses the immune system, it is impossible to build up a tolerance. Your body is capable oh, okay. of metabolizing it in small rates, um, but the constant ingestion of extra cyanide wouldn't increase your metabolic rate. Hashtag Maybe contact. they got
2: like bad cyanide. Like, was it expired?
0: I don't know. I I think that like okay. So magic because how did he get all those ladies? Alexandra, she was a cutie patootie. Like she, she was shy. People thought she was weird. I like that. Um, But I feel like he had some sort of power that was uh, created by his pure evilness that kept him alive during all of those attempts. His, His pure will to just ruin everyone and be gross, I think that's what kept him alive.
1: I'm going to go with the three
0: mm. as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Can I just really quickly call back to something? Yeah. Did Kara just say that the Princess Diaries was a documentary?
2: Princess Bride.
1: Oh, okay. That's more. I, I'm more okay with that being a documentary. I thought my brain was like, Princess Diaries, like with Anne Hathaway? <laughs> like, <No>. Genovia isn't <laughs> no, even
3: No, that's real. fiction.
2: <laughs> that's fiction, obviously. <laughs> but no, Dread Pirate res- Wesley, Tolerance to Iocane Powder, Rodents of unusual size. Um, yep. True love. I'm okay right? with that. Like documentary. I learned a lot from that movie. I'm I'm fully okay with that.
1: As you wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have been chatting for a while. Before we do our our spiel, our end of episode spiel, Kara, is there any? I mean, we've talked about the prophecy girls, and me and Brittany talk about the prophecy girls a yep. lot. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to promote, put out there, put into the world, good vibes, anything?
2: Um, yeah. So, again, listen to Prophecy Girls anywhere you find podcasts. We are a spoiler-free Buffy podcast. So if you've never watched Buffy, you could start watching it and listen along with us. Um, I don't have a ton of other things to plug. I got a book review website, Kara with a K, um, freelance copy editor need manuscripts, dissertations edited, you know where to find me. Um, And yeah, I'm on Twitter as at Tachyon Decay.
1: Yay! Thank you so, 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 so much for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me back. I'm really glad that I was able to do this with the two of you.
1: And just a
0: reminder, the very last thing as of right now that the Prophecy Girls has released, which will be as of when this gets released, was the table read with us. Check them out on Spotify. Uh, uh.
1: And uh, shout out to Steph from us. We're sorry you couldn't be here, Uh, but your baby is so fucking cute. I know.
0: (laughs) Just keep sharing photos and then all all, the... Perfect. Perfect.
1: Baby. I don't even like babies. That baby. So fucking cute.
2: (laughs) I made a blanket for her.
1: I know you did. Ah, you got to
0: get back on on Twitter, Kayla, so you can follow Mm -hmm. Kara. I know. Uh, The shoes. Well, Kayla can see
2: my knitting on Instagram.
1: Oh, yeah. The Instagram stuff. Yes, I do see that. Okay. Twitter is just our suggested stuff that, like, because every once in a while I get notifications for something that's suggested on the left of Skeptic Twitter, because I haven't deleted the app. I've just (laughs) moved it off my homepage. Uh And something pops up and I click it on accident, just, just and then I'm like, "Oh, where am I?"
3: Yeah, turn
0: off the push notification. I did for leftist I skeptic. Turn I was like, because it doesn't know it it's doesn't bad. know what we like, so it's like, here's some things that are on Twitter.
2: But I, I yeah, I do enjoy I enjoy interacting with you on Twitter, Brittany. Aww. But I, I agree, Kayla, you shouldn't. Like Brittany and I are just lost at this point. Yeah. Like, there's that's no hope true. For us, that's
0: but. true. It's it's too it's too far gone for us. Too
1: far gone. Well, if anybody out there listening has a paranormal story they would like to share, something you know, spooky, something alien-y, whatever works for you, you can do so by emailing us directly, leftofskeptic at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, www.leftofskeptic.com, and click the Listener Stories tab at the top of the page, or you can click the link tree in our bio. You can choose to remain anonymous or include your name, whatever you prefer. We just ask that you please include your pronouns.
0: You can also follow us on social media. We are on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Left of Skeptic and Facebook at Left of Skeptic Podcast.
1: Well, special, special thanks to Kara for joining us. And thank you all for listening on this Spooky Wednesday. We love you very much and appreciate you. That wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted. Nope. Nope. There we go. <laughs> Some part of me is like, Brittany, we got to label the buttons. And then another part of me just wants you to <laughs> never label the buttons. I
0: have, I have the thing. I have the thing to label them. I just haven't yet.
1: <laughs> it's better when you don't. It's, it's just, always it's an adventure. Better. Every time I start
0: pushing buttons.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ready? Ready? Should we count it down and do the okay? Happy Spooky Wednesday. Happy Spooky Wednesday. One, <laughs> two, three.
3: Okay. okay. Bye. Bye.
0: <laughs> I can fix it in post, guys. It'll be fine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, geez.
0: The Left of Skeptic podcast is written and hosted by Kayla Moria and Brittany Lind. This week's episode is edited by me, Brittany Lind. The Left of Skeptic music is by Dave Melling and Emily Havoc. And our artwork is by Al LeBlanc. Okay, bye! All right. Uh I've had so much beer this weekend. It's weird. I haven't had beer in a really long time, and now I'm just like, beer.
1: I had beer in Brainerd, but not a lot. I just had, because you're moving. You don't want to dehydrate yourself, mm. you know. But I had a dill pickle cream ale, so it just tasted like pickles. That was pretty great. Yum.
0: Um, you know, Blacklist came out with one of those, but I made them add more pickle juice because it wasn't pickly enough.
1: Yeah, pickles. Specifically dill pickles, but I will also settle for a bread and butter pickle every once in a while.
0: Oh, no, I'm a, I'm a dill all the way gal. What are your favorite kind of
2: pickles? I'm just like, what podcast did I come on here?
1: <laughs> well, we're in the ad oh, space right now. Oh, yeah, we're not during, back During yet. the ad breaks, we just talk. <laughs> we just talk. Oh. Because then Brittany adds them in later. <laughs> 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 I guess that was probably pretty confusing. <laughs> yeah. Mm.
2: Pickles. <laughs> I, I don't have a, like, I do like dill pickles. I've never really thought of there being other kinds of pickles. I mean, like, there's other pickled vegetables and fruits and stuff, right? Like, you can, yeah. get, like, a good pickled carrot, some pickled ginger, like, pickled beets. Mm. Oh, pickled ginger. Oh, pickled
0: beets.